Turn it on and rip the knob off. Hey guys, welcome back. Happy New Year. It is a new year, and hopefully it's a whole much of a better year, Steve. Bray Russell here along with Steve Eckstat for another edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, a special, unique edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Steve, welcome back. Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a unique one, but I'm, I'm excited for what we're about to do here. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I kicked off the show very unprofessionally. I realized with 10 seconds to go in the theme that I needed a drink of water. So I tried to swallow that, and my words didn't really come out the way I wanted to. But that's okay. We're not redoing this because we got a long show coming. And it's kind of a fun and exciting show. It brings all of our shows together, and for good reason, too. We announced on the last episode of The Grenade, we did the Clash of the Champions 8, the watch-along. We did that a little earlier because... It was the holiday season, faster edit, things of that nature, and we promised that we were coming back this week, or I did anyway, I won't, I won't hold you to it, Steve, that we would come back this week with two more weeks of NWA 1989 TV for the month of September. And that was the initial plan, but there were a lot of pieces missing, if you remember, if anybody remembers, that we mentioned in the last episode of The Grenade. Lots of episodes missing in action. Nobody really knew where they were. They really weren't out there, so to speak. Well, during the time away, during the holidays, I went ahead and I found a good chunk, if not a full episode of the NWA main event that was missing throughout the course of that time period. And we also dove a little deeper, got a hold of one of our contacts, talked with him, and we'll talk all about him next week and everything he did for us here. He found a complete two-hour version of the September 9th NWA Saturday night thought to be missing forever. There's only 15 minutes of the show out there, Steve. And he went and he didn't just find part of the show. He found the entire two hour episode. And like you said, after you got done watching it and you, you contacted me, Skype me, you said, man, that was a fun show. So I'm really excited to announce that we have an entire episode of NWA Saturday night, the world championship wrestling show that was thought to be missing possibly forever. Yeah, it was, it definitely was a fun show. I can't wait to talk about it with you next week. Yeah, thanks to our Connect for coming through. Even had the commercials intact, and I had fun with them as well. It's always cool to see Craig Sager uh, give us that college football update. So it was cool to see that as well. It was just a part of it. So, again, thanks to him. And I'm glad the, the show next week is going to be a little bit more complete than what it would have been. So yeah, and that's it's worth basic- the wait. It's going right. to be worth the wait. Absolutely. And that's basically why uh, I decided to postpone it because there was just more stuff for us to catch up on and take notes on to be, to dive even further, more in depth. There were matches. We saw you, if you go online right now and go to September 9th, you can kind of look up results. There's two or three matches. The results are online for the show. There's a whole rest of the show though. There's other matches on the card that have never been talked about, discussed, or probably seen in more than 30 years by the average human being anyway, certainly me. And I'm, I consider myself a collector of sorts. I, you know, I have all my own footage and I may have this episode somewhere, but I can't find it. So thank God for our connection who, you know who you are. We'll talk all about it next week. I don't want to get too far into that this week because you guys may have noticed and anybody who, who went to the grenade today, you might've said, what the hell is this? They've, they've been doing NWA. When the hell did they start WWF 1996? Well, we didn't. And I don't know that we're ever going to, but 
because of the show, our other show, our sister show, Monday Warfare, we're right in the middle of January right now. If you guys head over to at Monday Warfare on Twitter, you can follow us there. You can also go to WrestleCopia.com and check out all the shows there. And we're everywhere, just like The Grenade, Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. You can find it everywhere. Your podcast streaming app needs Spotify, a Stitcher, Google Pod, Apple, everything, everywhere. And basically what we did was we said, you know what? We got to record this show anyway. And we usually record the pay-per-views and we put them on our Patreon account. And that's over at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. You can now get all of our watch-alongs over there for $5 a month. Subscribe for $5. You get all of our pay-per-views from 1995, 96. They go great with the Monday Warfare show, which you can get for free. And all kinds of other watch-alongs, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's Main Event, and everything in between. This particular show is meant to go on our watch-along series on the all-access tier for $5, but we're going to give it to you for free. Sort of a way to tease you guys and get you guys maybe to go over and check out our Patreon and listen to more of our pay-per-views and things that we do over there. It's a really exciting piece. I, I haven't done or haven't really checked out this Royal Rumble in a very long time, and it really holds a, a near and dear place in my heart. I have great memories of that day and, and really the entire day from the TV that morning all the way to the end of the pay-per-view. So we'll talk about that as the pay-per-view gets going. We're going to do something else unique, something we've never done before, Steve. And I asked you, and I asked you, I said, Steve, how do you feel about doing the free-for-all, the very first free-for-all with a, a live match with commentary? And you, and you said, I said, I said, do you feel like doing the free-for-all? And your response immediately back was, of course. So we've never done the pre-show before when we've done the watch-alongs for the pay-per-views. And so that's going to be unique in itself. And I wrote down, a, I went through that real quick just to jot down a couple of timestamps because I want to grab a couple of interviews on there for everyone to listen to because not everybody might have access to the free-for-all whereas we will be doing the watch along of the royal rumble along with everyone on the wwe network steve i'm really excited for this yeah this is the total package uh, no pun intended to lex luger but this is the total package for the royal rumble and uh i remember getting the free-for-all and watching it and this is i think this is the last royal rumble i got until 99 so uh i'm with you i have some fond memories of this show I enjoy this Rumble. It's one of the last ones that I do really enjoy going back and watching all the way through because going forward, they kind of stink or just not my cup of tea anymore uh, compared to when they were the fresh and live. But yeah, uh, again, I'm excited for this one. Uh, I can't wait to talk a Rumble with you. We haven't done this before, so it's going to be unique and different. It's one of the funnest matches on that WWE has, so can't wait to get going. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate real quick before we get going. The reason we're doing the Royal Rumble watch along right here for you guys on the Wrestling Memory Grenade is we needed just a little more time to watch all of the NWA footage for September, take down all the proper notes now that we have extra footage, and get it all to you guys in the best information that we can possibly give you. And it kind of worked out perfectly because we were going to record this anyway. Now everything ties in together. You're doing it on, we're doing it on the grenade. It's Wrestling Memories right here in 1996, so it fits anyway. It coincides with the Monday Warfare show, which is also in January right now of 1996 as we cover Raw and Nitro and the battles within over there. And then, of course, like I said, it's a little taste of what some of our pay-per-view watch-alongs are like over at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. So, Steve, make sure you make this one extra entertaining so we can make a couple five-buck <laughs> subscriptions over there. I'll do my best. All right, guys, so... <laughs> We won't count you down for the free-for-all because I'm sure I'm assuming a lot of people don't have it. So what I'm going to do is, Steve, I'm gonna, we're going to press play on that, let that get going as we talk a little bit about the pay-per-view here. As you can see right here, we got 
the opening video of the free-for-alls just kind of hyping up Bret Hart, who's the new World Wrestling Federation champion, going back to November when he beat Diesel. Uh, what are you, some, some of your uh, memories here of uh, the pay-per-view? I remember the free-for-all because this is the first time it was under the free-for-all banner. Uh, I, I like the idea behind the match. Uh, they announced it on Raw like a week before the show that Drozzy uh, and Triple H are going to fight, and the winner gets number one, uh, 30, and the loser gets number one. Right. I thought that was unique and different, and I, I think it's pretty cool. So I was excited to see. It. I mean, it's not the the top guys on the card, but you know, it was uh, it was unique for its time, and it's something oh, yeah. they, had, they hadn't done. And so you, it, just that little little extra to make the match a little bit meaningful for the free for all. So that was cool, and and the, I just I think my friend came over that always came over to watch pay per views with me, and again it's the Rumble. So if you're not excited on rumble night, then you have problems and you're probably not a real wrestling fan because this is one of the most exciting nights in all of wrestling. Uh, no matter the roster, no matter who's in the match, you just can't wait to see who's coming and how they book the match. It's just, it sells itself at this point. And even in 96, like if there was one pay-per-view I had to buy outside of WrestleMania, I'm begging my parents to get the Royal rumble. So yeah, it's uh, it's um, the beginning, it's the beginning of 96 here. So I'm probably like about 16 here. And I'm still a mark for the Royal Rumble. I'm a kid that day. I, I might understand how the business works. I may have been introduced to the Observer the year prior. But on this very day, on Royal Rumble Day, I'm a kid all day. In my 20s, I'm a kid all day on Royal Rumble Day only every year. Not even WrestleMania does that to me, but the Royal Rumble always did, at least up until recent years. But I'm not going to make this a downer for everyone. Uh, but yeah, during the peak years of the Royal Rumble, I'd, I don't care if wrestling's fake, everybody. <laughs> I, 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 tone that, I tune that out. You're not going to yep. tell me anything anything different than I'm going to enjoy myself this day. And I got so much to talk about, but I don't want to get too deep into it because I think we're about 30 seconds away from hearing our very first interview from Vader in the WWF as Vince kind of runs over Triple H and Duke the Dumpster Josie. We're, we're just moments away from hearing two back-to-back interviews that I, I want to play for everybody. Uh, and, and we'll discuss like what a big deal they truly were at the time and, and what they meant to us and things of that nature. So, We'll just listen to Vince and Mr. Perfect send us over to Vader and company. The Royal Rumble, if you run numbers number one, is not too great. No, it's not. And there's been guys at Shawn Michaels. He went a long way last year, but it's just too long, McMahon. It's too grueling of an event. He went all the way last yes, year. Yes, he did. All right, standing right right now, let's uh, take you over to Doc Hendricks. Doc, thanks, Vince. I'm standing here with Vader. The first time we'll hear from him, and I'm surprised. J.D. Cornette, what are you doing here? I'm full of surprises. I'm full of surprises, and this is the kind of thing that you wait your entire life for. I have the chance to guide the career of the most powerful force that will ever dominate the World Wrestling Federation at today. At the Royal Rumble, he's going in there with 29 other guys, his sole mission to destroy, his sole purpose to create mayhem, and his sole objective to be the winner of the Royal Rumble today so that he can get that title shot at WrestleMania. Yeah, baby! From the power of the Rocky Mountains and Boulder, Colorado, I bring you the Prince of Power. <laughs> tell me, Jimmy, tell me. Tell the whole world! What time is it? What time is it? You know what? The WWF is about ready to find out what time it is. 29 professional wrestlers are about ready to find out what time it is. Teach the London thing. It don't matter who. It don't matter when. But I'm here not to look good. 
I'm here to cause pain. Destroy each and every wrestler in the WWF and become the next WWF heavyweight champion of the world. It's Vader time! All right, John, it sounds like it's Vader time. Back to you. All right, Doc, who knows? Will it be Vader time or, of course, the return of Jake the Snake Roberts of the World Wrestling Federation. The snake is in the bag. He will be making his way to the ring. I take it with you. He absolutely will. Have you had lunch? No. He hasn't either. Look out. When we get out there, you think this thing's big. It's nothing compared to the size of the demons that once lived in me. Something that you're all, each and every one of you, will have to face. Who's it going to be to win the WWF Royal Rumble match tonight? Whoever it's going to be is going to meet one of these two individuals. And there we go. Just a couple of interviews to get going and to give people an idea, Steve, of how huge this was. This was the return of Jake the Snake Roberts to mainstream professional wrestling. We hadn't seen him since the, in the WWF or WCW since 1992. And Vader had basically left the WCW, kind of, they had their issues there, the Paul Orndorff fight, and he disappeared right as Nitro was getting going. So he hasn't been on TV in like four months himself, and here he is. And they haven't broken Vader yet, keep in mind, Steve. So this is huge, seeing Vader, physically seeing him, not just the video, but physically seeing Vader in the locker room. He is here. What is going to happen tonight? Yeah, he, I think on the first night show, they was talking about how he went AWOL for the Fall Brawl War Games match because he's on Team Hogan. So, yeah, he he, uh, he was gone. He didn't have a Nitro. So, he, like you said, he's been on TV. I, I was pretty excited to see Vader. Uh, I don't Like I said, I didn't watch a lot of WCW, um, but my friend did, and he loved Vader. And he hyped him up so much. He's like, dude, it's Vader. He's freaking awesome and all this stuff. So, I was excited to see him. I couldn't wait to see him come out in the Rumble. And I... I don't want to spoil it here, but because I'm sure we'll pick it up later during the actual match. But they do a tremendous job of getting him over initially, right? <laughs> in the yeah. Rumble. But uh, it's just it was it was quite the, the presence and quite the the visual to see Vader in the WWF. It's crazy to think that they stole they didn't steal him because WCW let him go for the incident with Paul Orndorff. But um, it, it's still surreal to see him in the WWF. Yeah, and uh, it's. Uh... It's crazy to think back to how huge this night was. And it all started that morning. And I, I, for some reason, this particular Royal Rumble really sticks out to me. And yeah, there were better Royal Rumbles. I'm not going to argue that. Most of them happening prior to the mid-90s. But this Rumble really sticks out to me. I just remember the whole day. It was such a big deal. This was the first surprise and, and bringing in stars and, and things like that. Royal Rumble. We did, other than Dick Murdoch popping in for whatever reason last year, we didn't like all Japan to Kyle Mori just random Doug Gilbert. They're acknowledging the USWA once again. And geez, uh, Dory Funk Jr. is here. There were bigger names they attempted to get Terry Funk, Sabu, but we won't get into all that. But just think of all the weird names that just randomly as, assemble here for this rumble. It made it was very different. It's the first Royal Rumble with entrance themes played for every single wrestler all 30 guys. It's a very different time. Everything's evolving here. I don't know that it, I'm not saying it hasn't happened prior to this, but did you hear the crowd pop when they showed Vader? Did you hear the crowd pop when they showed Jake yeah. on the video screen? I don't know that we'd really got to see that before. I, I never wrote that. This might be the first pay-per-view with crowd reaction noise from who's appearing on the video screen. So very organic uh, uh, cheers from the fans to see Vader and Jake here in the WWF. Yeah, yeah, I think that I 
if I remember right, it is. And it's different because it's like they opened up the mics to let them be heard through there just to get those pops for those guys, even though they're in the back and, you know, like uh, on the um, on the video wall. Uh, so you don't re- you never really had that before. Like it was if they was in the back, the guys in the building didn't get it. So it's definitely, like you said, organic and more natural to get those reactions to people on the video wall. Yeah, even the headhunters are in here. Um, so, oh, yeah. So, Squat, so, team. Like, Squat team. Squat yeah. team, Steve. <laughs> My bad. Um, no, I think uh, being in 96, I was only like nine years old, so I didn't know a lot of these people uh, as far as like, you know, the, the squat team and Amore and, and things like that. And I don't think most people did, to be honest, unless you were a tape trader. But um, it was definitely cool. I was like, oh, man, who's coming next? Cause you, this is like you said, one of those first rumbles that makes it feel like you did, you had no idea who was coming. It wasn't going to be just somebody on the WWF roster. It was outsiders, and other people from other lo- other places and things like that. So it, it was definitely exciting, and it was kind of the groundwork for what the rumbles would become. Right. Yeah, and I had, I'd had a lot of access to Doug Gilbert because of the USWA, so I knew who he was. I had purchased my IWA King of the Death Match tournament tape back in 1995, so even when I saw the squat team being announced, I go, that's the headhunters. That's not the squat team. But so I was just I was like, what is going on here? It was really weird. This had never happened in the WWF where a good chunk of the Royal Rumble's outsiders, really, guys that didn't even yeah. work for the company, at least up until this point. So it was like, what is really happening here? It really, uh, it was a completely, it was a new world for the WWF. They were trying a lot of new things here for this Rumble. And it just had me hyped. I can go back yeah. to the morning of, and here's Triple H making his way out now for that match you talked about earlier, free-for-all match, first ever free-for-all match, at least with commentary. We've seen him in the background before in the old live pre-shows, but it's Triple H and Duke Drossi, as you mentioned. They were drawn, supposedly, at random to compete in this match. The winner gets number 30. The loser gets number one. And, uh, yeah, it's the garbage man and Triple H. And li- I, wanna, I want you guys to listen to this uh, for Duke Drossi. Listen to Vince. Uh, Todd cut us off. Damn, I might have missed it. Vince might have done it before the interview. Damn it. He he salivates over. He, I think it's just because it's the pre-show and he's trying to sell the pay-per-view, but he sells Duke Drossi like he's the next coming of of Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Just for a moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Duke the Dumpster Drossi. It's a guy yeah. he, he, he might even be doing it right now, but I just love that. Vince, I mean, it's his product, but he knows how to sell his product, and that's what he does here. You know, if if you're just watching this for the first time casually, flipping the channels, I, so, you know, these some of these came used to come on the old uh, preview guide channel and things, and you're flipping this, and this guy's like, yeah, this is great. You're like, okay, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. This guy says so. Yeah. I, I always thought, like, if you're going to sell your product, why not be the guy, you know, he's the guy that wants it the way he wants it, so why not be the one to sell it? I thought he did a good so, job. I was sad when he, when he left commentary. I understood it, you know, it was time and it made sense when it happened but i was still upset because uh 
as a kid, I always didn't really care for Vince on comedy as, as a small, like in the eighties, like Vince wasn't my number one go-to. Like I always had gorilla and Bobby and Ventura and things, but Vince, I think evolved. He became more, more of a character himself with, you know, the overselling because of raw and stuff. And so I, I grew to really, I can't say that. I, I guess maybe I did love Vince, but I, I also just became accustomed to him. Like he was my new comfort zone level. Like Vince needed to be on my right. commentary, at least on pay-per-views for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think he's not the greatest commentator in the world as far as calling matches and putting moves over and stuff like that. Obviously, the one maneuver type deal, but he knew how to hype the hell out of his product and get it, get it over. And once you realize that he's the owner and he's putting over his guys here, it's not just a commentator. You know, it's it's him trying to do his best to sell his product. And uh, I thought he did an excellent job at that. I mean, he could get you excited for a show, a match. Sure. In anything, Drossi. and I, he's he's one of the better people that does that. Yeah, Drossi, Drossi misses that charge in the corner, hits his shoulder here. And uh, I remember Duke the Dumpster before he ever came into the WWF as the garbage man, and I learned that from the uh, old After Mags PWI 500. I believe he was 500. I I don't want to piss him off though. He may have been 499, but I know he was at the very bottom. And those are the names you used to look at back in the early 90s, mid 90s, when the PWI 500. Who were the top 10, 20, and then who are those last few names? And those last few names always stuck out. And he was the garbage man on the indies. And there he was. This That was before his WWF run here. And Triple H is just coming off that feud with Henry Godwin, where it was kind of the, the filthy guy versus the cleanly guy. And it's like Vince had to look around and figure out how to, all right, now what do we do? with? Tri- Let's just do it again and do the same gimmick with the dumpster and Triple H because they kind of have a mini feud here coming out of the Rumble. It doesn't last very long, but they might even wrestle at the next in your house, if, if I remember correctly. I know they have a couple of matches somewhere. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I figured it was just a one-off, and they were in the in the run this match here. Um, but interesting. Uh, recently, I know Pat recently passed, so I don't want to try to run his name through the mud. But I've I heard Duke talk about Pat or tell stories. He's on Facebook, and if you, I don't follow him or anything. But people in these groups I'm in like quoted him or posted his stories. And during this time, I don't, I don't know if it's before this or right after this or, or when, but Duke never really got put on cards. He didn't get to work and and things like that. So he wasn't getting paid because he wasn't working. But Pat would always make a point to go see him and say, hey, are you, hey Duke, are you wrestling tonight? As a joke, because he knows he's not. Like Pat was in charge of getting him on the card or something. And Pat would always joke around with him and treat him like shit <laughs> when it comes to that because – for one, Pat knew he wasn't going to be working, and two, Duke was frustrated because he wasn't getting put on cards to make money, and um, Pat was kind of just rubbing in his nose a little bit, and uh, I thought that was interesting, <laughs> that they toy with people like that. I get it maybe once or twice, but to constantly do it, just to yeah, get on I mean, his skin, who, that's, who knows you know, what was going on back there, and I'm not saying that in any shady way. I just mean, who knows who rubbed the person the wrong way, said something that somebody didn't like, or... You know, who who really knows what this true story is behind all of that? I, I mean, I don't know, but... Who knows? It, it could yeah. just be him being bitter, but it's just... The more stories you hear like that, and I don't want to take away from the action here. He's working no. the arm, Hunter is, but um, nothing really going on um, for people that can't... Don't have access to this, but... Um, Triple H on the top just, rope, though. <laughs> that is interesting. You don't I'm see Triple H on the top rope, and he runs into a boot from the Dukester. Yeah. But I don't know. The more you hear these stories, the less, 
appealing wrestling becomes like as far as being in it it just seems like it's a crowd full of petty insecure individuals that are afraid of uh politics man yeah it's it's uh it's insane to think like if you just put all that shit aside focus on making money i think you're going to be in a lot better place and yeah obviously you want to be the one that's making the money because that means you're making more than everybody else but Josie making the big comeback here. Nice little backdrop taken by Triple H, and we're over, over in the corner. I feel like a spot's coming here. Tim White, referee, he's trying to get in there and break the two up. Josie. Like yeah, Triple H. Oh. Power. So it looked like they were going for a spot in the corner, and then they were told, you guys got another minute. So Josie just uh, drops him with a power slam there. It's time to take out the trash. That's what the dumpster just said. I never did you. I didn't mind dumpster here. I didn't, I thought he was decent. I, I thought I the uh, oh here we go. I love that tilt a whirl slam he used to do. Not didn't get it here. Triple H counters out, slides behind. Josie still winds up countering again. Back suplex. I just thought his gear was ridiculous. Sometimes your gear, you're just not getting over in the gear you're wearing, and <laughs> the uh, garbage man costume just. Didn't do Duke no favors, and he did try to change it up, the gear completely up here, I don't know, in the next few months, but it was even worse, so he actually goes back to this. And there, Josie accidentally pops Tim White in the eye with the elbow, and Triple H going to the boot, grabbing a foreign object. Looks like, uh, yeah, brass knuckles. Boom! Nails the dumpster. Down goes Duke. Puts away those, and Triple H falls on top. Tim White counts one, two, three. And Triple H gets the win, but there's a, a large figure making his way down the aisle here. Camera's running down to pick it up. And why that's the uh, interim uh, commissioner, interim president of the WWF. That's Gorilla Monsoon. So we'll see what happens here. There he is. Man, it seems like he was walking out there. Did he get hung up on something? Or? Well, <laughs> poor old Gorilla. time. And Gorilla getting in the ring, he's not having this. This is a really huge deal. This is for the Royal Rumble spots. Gorilla's not going to let any shenanigans play here. He's telling, telling Tim White that Triple H cheated. Gorilla saw it, and after all these years of sitting in the booth and never being able to do anything about it, Gorilla finally gets to do something about it here. He's, he's actually calling for the replay on the screen, and for the first time ever, the referee is going to watch a replay on the screen. And he really sees it. Yeah, they're really using, utilizing that video wall very early here in the pre-show. And boom, Tim White sees Triple H use it and reverses the decision. Duke the Dumpster Drossie, I think, is going to win by disqualification. So Triple H will earn the number one spot, and the Dumpster will become number 30. Let's see how he utilizes that number 30 spot, Steve. And, I'm sure he uses it very wisely. <laughs> and tri- <laughs> Trips is none too pleased. He's he's tripping out. And the dumpster clocks him after the match <laughs> just to get one over on him. Surprised Triple H got put in at number one being a click guy, you know? Figured they'd yeah. take care of his boy. And then, and then, you know, he does what he does in the match. <laughs> it's almost like he's... uh part of the group that's running the company or something here. 
Triple H was smart. You know, the click all retired or left or whatever, and he found himself a new click to run the run the show with. So he's been in power for a very long time. And we go to a, a promo with Goldust, who's going to be slated to take on Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon on the pay-per-view tonight. And, of course, this feud sort of started inadvertently at Survivor Series when Goldust sent Razor Ramon a love letter. And Razor is not into that sort of thing in real life and here on TV because <laughs> they have some wild brawls here. I feel like Razor tries to shoot on him, take it out on him, and there's snow brawl outside, which was so cool. Never seen anything like that before when that happened. I marked out huge. It, was, it felt like the WF was really changing, uh, getting far more edgy and, and for the better. And I don't really know what happens to him later on in 96. But this, fir- this first part of 96... I found my, I was really excited for even the in your in your houses had some pretty solid stuff on them. Like I said, I was really pumped for this rumble. I think it was a lot of it had to do with just all the new guys coming in and things. But I even enjoyed the the layout of WrestleMania 12. It didn't really play out as excitingly as I'd wanted it to, but I was certainly marking out for it going in. Yeah, on paper, WrestleMania 12 was pretty nice. We're, we're probably gonna be one of the few that don't necessarily care for the Iron Man match. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, and, you know, that's a ways off. And you guys want to hear about that, you're going to have to subscribe to the all-access tier over at patreon.com slash WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, here we go, backstage brawl. Racer attacks goals. This felt, show, oh, it's such a shoot. <laughs> it just it feels so feel real. Like, like poor Goldust. If, if you had the sound. Right. When you're watching this. Yeah. Man, he sounds stiff and uh, Razor is not happy about being no. in this feud at all. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the match. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's unfortunate. It's a, lot, a lot of it's taken out on Dustin for all the wrong reasons. And like I said, we'll talk yeah. a little more about that when we're at the match here. But this was so cool. When he went out the door, we never really got to see outside brawls back in 1995, 96. And then there just happened to be a pile of snow there. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's pathetic that I'm, I'm, it's pathetic. I'm in my forties and I I saw this 25 years ago and I'm still marking out of the marveling at the fact that there's, there's snow involved in the fight as he throws (laughs) that trash can at the, uh, the limo or whatever the hell that was with gold dust pulled off his getaway car. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I love, I I love seeing the snow, man. I, I'm every time I start wrong 96, I can't Uh, wait for that episode. You know, do you know what Vince can't wait for? Want to guess what Vince can't wait for? Uh, Vince didn't salivate yet. He must be saving it for the actual, I got to save myself for later during the match. So I I was hoping he would cream his pants right there just to give everybody a little listen. But it didn't happen. He's, he's still putting them over, though. Sean headed to the ring. So this was, I have to say, dude, for a pre-show, this was a very well thought out, really well booked oh, yeah. pre-show. Oh, yeah. Vader promo, Jake promo. You get the videos setting up the, the big matches, the title match, the Razor match, uh, all these big matches, and then the Triple H dumpster match. There hasn't been any downtime. This is like ADHD pre-show. It's just not on nonstop. And this is like Shawn Michaels first time in a ring since the collapse. So even Sean's going to get in a promo here before the pay-per-view starts. Just a really, really well done pre-show. 
Yeah, if this didn't sell you, like if you like you said, flipping through the channels and you see this, if this didn't sell you, then they, there's nothing that was going to sell you on this. And look at they that. Did a tremendous job. There's the pre-show. Look at that. Flipped over to the pre-show preview guide channel just to just to show you what it looks like over there. And right back to the pay-per-view channel. I was always wondering what the preview channel was. I never found it. I mean, I, I got the pay-per-view, so I didn't really need it. Uh, and I never really went looking for it, but uh, it's definitely, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it just shows you everything that's on for the next 90 minutes, two hours, whatever it could fit on the screen. And it rolled a little at a time. Oh, so you got about six channels and it stopped and it went again. What's that? Oh, I knew the TV Guide channel. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Didn't know that's, I didn't know that's where the, the free, free-for-all was if you wasn't getting the pay-per-view. Right, yeah. I think it started with this one. They didn't do that forever. I mean, before that. What always confused me as a kid growing up, at least on every pay-per-view company I had, they would always say that the entire countdown was telling you to call your local cable operator now. And I started thinking, I never got any of the pre-shows without calling and ordering. The pre-shows were not free. They didn't air unless I ordered the pay-per-view. So it was always really odd that they spent 30 minutes hard selling the pay-per-view. And it's like, dude, I can't even see you if I didn't already order the pay-per-view. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. I, I never could find them. And I, you, there's some trickery to, to getting these pay-per-views. You had to, I think locally I had to turn it to channel 10 for 15 minutes and then flip it back to this channel and <laughs> all sorts of crazy stuff just to get the pay-per-view to come through. And, uh, I mean, thank God for, you know, like WWE Network and the updated uh, cable boxes. Oh, it's like a, click a button and buy I think I think Sean almost ejaculated right there in his pants. Started uh, gyrating, a jigglation everywhere. <laughs> you can clearly tell where they're heading for 96, and you're looking at it. Yeah, and he's out here cutting his promo, making his big comeback from the uh, collapse. The big uh, storybook return, and Todd Pettengill in the ring. I remember, he's not shooting on Todd. He didn't like the way the last time Todd interviewed him. He wasn't very happy with Todd on Monday Night Raw. He felt like Todd ambushed him with the question of what happens if you have to retire. Of course, Sean doesn't have to retire, and he's back here, as we found out, headed into the pay-per-view. And this is Sean's first match since the day after Survivor Series. So he got a, a two-month break, and I'm sure he got paid every day of that break. Yeah, it seems like this dude gets paid all the time for sitting at home. I don't know if you've seen the story recently, but Jim Ross said that they paid him like 750000 between 98 2002 a year just to keep him at home. Yeah, keep him off of WCW, I'm sure. Yeah. He's like, all Sean wanted to do was go play, hang out with his boys, Nash and Hall, and down in WCW. And when he came up in, like, meetings for finances and everything, it's like, don't ask. Let's listen, to, let's listen to old Triple H here. He's going to come up in a promo here in a minute. I'm thinking he's probably not happy. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll let Sean play out here into the uh, Triple H promo. It's uh, Click City as the Rumble pre-show ends. Hey. With a rather disconsolate, I believe, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Doc, are you there? All right, I'm standing here with Hunter Hearst Helmsley because of Gorilla Monsoon's reversal of the decision. Doc Hendricks, since when? Since when does the World Wrestling Federation have an instant replay rule? You tell me that. I don't know. I'd like to. Uh, can we see the replay right now? We'd like to watch it back. Hunter, it looked like you had won the match. Gorilla Monsoon. I did win the match. Bottom line is this whose shoulders were down? There it is, though, Hunter. It's clearly in your hand. No. No, see, a fan threw something at me right here. I'm trying to get it out of the ring. 
First of all, we don't need to see this. The instant replay rule is not in effect in the World Wrestling Federation. And who does Gorilla Monsoon think he is? Does he have a personal vendetta against me or something? I can't answer that, but now you'll be the first man in. Means a, a maximum of 60 minutes for you to win the winner, uh, Royal Rumble. I was guaranteed to win the Royal Rumble if I was the 30th man in. You know that. I know that. But now I'm number one. Monsoon, you think you were a smart man? You think you fooled Triple H? Nothing, because I'm going to stick it in your face now. I'm going to stick it right in your face when I last all 60 minutes or however long it takes and win the Royal Rumble. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we sure hope that you enjoy the Royal Rumble. Isn't it grand to enjoy the finer things in life? Traditional things like home entertainment. Exceptional things like the World Wrestling Federation. WWF Royal Rumble. 30 awesome superstars in a tremendous over-the-top rope battle. You won't believe the incredible action right in your own living room. WWF Royal Rumble. Live on pay-per-view. And that sets us all up, Steve. It's uh, time for the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, and I'm going to let everybody get queued up here. Any uh, final thoughts and things before we count everyone down? Nope, man. Let's get it going. All right. Well, we will get it going in a minute. I want to give everybody time to go over the WWE Network now. Cue it up if you haven't already. WWF Royal Rumble 1996. That's the version we're going to do. And I'll count you down on the other side of these brief but important messages. The Wrestling Memory Grenade is proud to announce the launch of WrestleCopia brand and the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, which you can find over at www.wrestlecopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com, WrestleCopia.com. You've probably heard me mention in passing all the way back to episode one of the grenade, the WrestleCopia brand. You may be asking, what is WrestleCopia? The name derives from the words wrestle for wrestling and copia, which is defined as having plenty or an abundance of. It's an abundance of wrestling history over at WrestleCopia.com as the podcast network gets up and running with a variety of podcasts slated to launch over the course of the fall season. Everything from our show The Grenade to Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, an in-depth look and weekly breakdown of the entire Raw vs. Nitro War. The WrestleCopia News Network is a special feature podcast. We've done a couple pieces already in the Bullet Bob Armstrong special and more recently What a Rush, a tribute to Road Warrior Animal Peace. You can expect more late-breaking news, timely discussions, and tributes to the fallen legends on future episodes of WCNN. We've also got other podcasts being prepped for their debuts this holiday season, including a territory-based show we like to call The Money and the Miles. There's an old saying in the world of professional wrestling that nothing in this business is real except the money made and the miles traveled. In this podcast, we discuss the territory era, with shows focusing on everything from show reviews to yearly breakdowns to episodes focusing on some of the rare, lesser-known territories and outlaw promotions of yesteryear that remains an enigma. Stop on over to WrestleCopia.com for all the latest shows and follow us on Twitter at WrestleCopia. That's on Twitter at WrestleCopia for all the latest news and information on the podcast network. It may not be the showdown at the OK Corral, but it was the WWF versus WCW, Raw versus Nitro, the Monday Night War, the Ratings War, the NWO, the Attitude Era. While everyone discusses who won the war, it's truly the battles within the war that made this weekly episodic rivalry so exciting. 
We break it all down from episode reviews to backstage news to those ever-important TV ratings. It's Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, exclusively on WrestleCopia.com. All right, guys, and welcome back. And uh, just a reminder, we're going to resume our NWA 1989. It's not going anywhere. Next week on The Grenade, we'll be right back into the month of September for 1989. All the stuff going on with Sting and uh, Funk and Muda and Slater and Flair and all that good stuff and everything underneath on the card as well. Uh, but for right now, it's the WWF Royal Rumble 96. I'm assuming everybody has everything queued up, their network queued up on whatever you're watching it on. Make sure you get past those pesky ads at the beginning. And we're going to count you guys down right now and watch the Royal Rumble 1996 in five, four, three, two, one. Press play. Tonight contains material of a graphic nature. Viewer indiscretion, I mean viewer discretion, is advised. So, measure a champion by size or the strength exuded by muscle and bone. Others are gauged by speed, lauded for courage, or no, for their gift to enthrall. In the World Wrestling Federation, the reigning champion is defined by heart. Brett, the Hitman Heart, a living legend who has conquered adversity. A man who continues to overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. But tonight, the hitman must face the challenge of a man who is no mere mortal. A force whose powers are mythical. A phenom whose heart at times can be cold. Razor Ramon, the four-time intercontinental champion, displays the heart and ferocity of a lion as well. But tonight, he faces a most peculiar foe in the bizarre gold dust. A man whose fascination with machismo seemingly weighs more on his heart than the desire for the gold around Razor's waist. And tonight, in the over-the-top rope Royal Rumble match, 30 WWF superstars will attempt to prove that they too possess the heart of a champion. In this battle of elimination, the sole survivor could be the returning hero, the former WWF champion, the new force invading the Federation, or any number of mighty superstars who will go to any lengths to win the guaranteed title shot and a chance to be called champion at WrestleMania. Tonight, the passion and heroics of these athletes will surely pen a new definition for champion. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Steve. It's Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, man. You got to love Vince, man. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I love those openings. I love that when Gorilla did it. Of course, he did it much calmer than Vince, but I just always, being welcome to these papers, he's just, it made you feel welcome. And there's Kurt Hennig up here doing the uh, commentary here with Vince McMahon this year. I thought Kurt, Kurt did a very good job on this paper. He kind of walked in blindly at the Survivor Series. He might not have even been really ready 
for, for some of the uh, storylines <laughs> and things at that point. But I thought he was re- probably the best best pay-per-view he ever did was might have been this Royal Rumble here. He had a lot of good lines. He knew the storylines, and he got a lot of guys over. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but he does an excellent job here. And I, I love listening to this show. and I enjoy talk, hearing him. Um, especially in the Royal Rumble match, he brings a lot of history or, you know, facts. I know he talks about Doug Gilbert and, and things like that. Right. And, um, he does an excellent job of getting some of these outsiders over. And I always love this gear here by Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> oh yeah. The blinking gear. Ah, uh, yeah. You can call it gaudy all you want, but I love it. And there's a clip from in your house, December, this year, Jeff Jarrett's return to the company left it in your house too in July came back in December there as he and Jerry Lawler double team kind of mostly Jeff Jarrett attacking Ahmed Johnson after Ahmed's match with Buddy Landell and Jarrett's back in the company, but not very long. I don't know that he he's around much longer after the Royal rumble here. If he is at all, uh, of course it's been years since I really dug into this era. So <laughs> my, my facts might be a little screwed up there, but I haven't watched any of these pay-per-views and I know I point that out all the time when we do the watch alongs, but in a very long time, but this is not because I don't care for this pay-per-view. It's just, dude, life happens and you kind of, you know, don't have time to really go back and just enjoy these type of things. And it's nice to be able to kick back and, oh, Ahmed jogging to the ring. He's coming for some revenge on old Double J here. Yeah, man, we watch so much wrestling. It's almost hard to just, for the grenade and the warfare show, that it's almost hard to pick and choose a show that you just want to watch that you want to watch and on your own, you know, that's not having to do with the podcast. So being able to go in and watch these, do these watch alongs and things like that is definitely fun and, and things like that. And this match was pretty solid. It had a decent few going into it and uh, it's a, it's a step up of competition for Ahmed. So I was interested to see how well he did here. Yeah. My, my only, my only issue with this feud going in was it didn't do either guy any favors like what? What was the uh, planned outcome of this? Ahmed was getting, you know, the the rocket strapped to his ass here, uh, as you know, since he's made his debut back in November, and Jeff Jarrett just returned. So no matter who lost this, it was going to hurt somebody. And so I was yeah. really like, I was like, I was also upset that Ahmed wasn't in the Rumble. I remember going back because he he was new to the scene. He was a big name. Hell, Jarrett was a big name. I used to get offended when guys that were mid, upper mid card weren't put in the rumble unless it was a title match. Uh, so I was like, Oh, come on. Let's get some undercard guys on the show that can put on a decent match. Let's get these two in the rumble match, but they do wind up having a decent little match here. If I remember correctly as well, I'm out with a nice short arm clothesline, a little bit different than Jake's. Yeah, just a little, a little bit, a little more violent than Jake's. You know, I don't, I don't know what made Jeff leave. You know, he had a lot of issues here <laughs> coming and going WWF, WCW, as we pointed out in the Money Warfare show back and forth a few times. But I, I wonder if a little bit of it had to, I'm not working that Ahmed Johnson no more. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Uh, Did you deal with him down in Memphis? Uh, yeah, I don't remember them going down and doing anything down there. But, you know, who knows uh, if Ahmed did, a, you know, some shots down there. Where did, he, where did Ahmed come from? Well, he, he was uh, from Texas, and he worked – he worked uh, the later years of Global and some indie stuff. and That's right. <laughs> Doing plunges and all that stuff. Moonsaults. That nice and, yeah. on there. Well, I think if I remember correctly, he does some kind of a dive here in this match. 
And that's not it. But he does, you know, he gets his hand caught in the ropes. That might have been almost Ahmed injury number one here in the WWF. He tr- launches himself at Jeff. Jeff ducks out of the way. Ahmed tries to dive over the top rope but gets his arm stuck <laughs> in the ropes. And Tim White, is that Tim White in there again? Or am I seeing things? Uh, it might be. Uh, but yeah. whoever the referee is, we can't see him right now. They had to, they, they had to save Ahmed and get him out of the, the, the uh, ropes there. Oh, no, that's not no. Tim White. That's Jimmy Corderas, ain't it? Yes, it is. My apologies to Jimmy Corderas, a couple hundred pounds lighter and taller. <laughs> Damn, Ahmed takes the whole steps with you. Yeah, Ahmed. Ahmed wasn't playing around on that whip. Just ran the whole steps wow. over. Yeah, I'm interested to know why Jared left. I don't know if Ahmed has anything to do with it, but dude just came and went as he pleased, it seemed like, and... Well, you know, it was, it's at that point. Well, I think, I think, I don't know that he would have kept coming and going if it wasn't for the fact that we're in the middle of the Monday night war now. And so it's like, well, if he's leaving there, we better get him over here because he's, you know, he's some form of an asset. Obviously Vince wasn't, you know, trying, working too hard to get him back uh, initially, but at this point they're, they're probably very happy to have him back. He may, he's a credible upper mid card guy for sure. And he's perfect for like a feud, like, you know, like I said, even though I hated to see these two guys feud because Ahmed doing his best ultimate warrior jog, <laughs> he's already hulking up. No selling. <laughs> Jarrett's like, come, huh? <laughs> this is pretty. Oh, Jarrett leaps off right into a bear hug. It's nice seeing no, Johnson here, though, pre-injuries, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's- it. it- it goes down fast. It falls fast once he gets hurt. That's a, still a bit of a, a yeah, still a bit of a ways off. We got we got until the summer anyway, so I'm kind of reliving the Ahmed push for the first time in you know <laughs> 20 plus years. There's a spinebuster, and he took care of Jeff Jarrett to Ahmed's credit. He probably had a conversation before the, the hey hey Ahmed, you know that you know that ha <laughs> you know that one move you do that spinebuster. I should take it easy on old Double J. Watch yeah. this here. There he goes. Oh, clear the holy shit! Kill yourself, <laughs> Ahmed Johnson with a uh, no hands plancha leap, Undertaker leap over the top rope there, and I think he he he, he hit more of the concrete than he did Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Jarrett ain't catching his ass. <laughs> How do you catch a man the size of Ahmed coming at you full speed? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ahmed Johnson, look at that. Look over the Harlem hangover. I don't even remember that. Ahmed Johnson with a somersault leg drop off the top rope. What is that? What are you doing, Ahmed? It sets Jeff Jarrett up for the figure four. Well, he saw Booker T do it on Nitro is what happened. (laughs) I could do that. Booker could do that too. Shut up, sucker. Oh, Lord. And Jarrett makes sense. Locks in the figure four. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, when Sid came first came out doing like drop kicks and giving the guys some things and it didn't work, I'm it. <laughs> Put that one away, buddy. Well, I mean, he missed the whole I give him credit. I mean, he'd always been doing these things going back to Texas. So it wasn't like yeah. this is something he's doing just here in the WWF. Obviously, he has to slow down and we don't see any of this here by the end of the year or oh, even no. by the end of the this summer. Might yeah, this might be it. Yeah, I don't even remember Ahmed really busting these type of things out, even by WrestleMania. I mean, I think he's he's probably been told to cool down. Uh, you don't need to do these things, Ahmed. Those dives and things, they would have been great if he was, had been able to continue to do them 
as needed in those big matches. But, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the injuries pile up, and it's kind of like Sting in the NWA. I like the crazy hops Sting had in 19. And I'm not saying Ahmed has the same hops. He's jacked to the gills here, but he's still fairly impressive for a guy's size, some of the things he's doing. Jarrett's calling it, calling it early here. He's up to the okay. top rope with the guitar. El Kabong. Over the head, Ahmed. What's that? I still remember this because he has that piece of wood stuck in his head, man. <laughs> that always sticks out in my head. When I think of this match, I think of him getting up pissed off and that piece of wood just like lodged in his head. And I'll uh, tell you uh, my biggest memory of this match, but we haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> him, <laughs> I, I, this always upset me, though, because you never really seen heels purposely that, and that plainly yeah. trying to get themselves disqualified and just being happy with it. And, you know, walking away, like, yeah, I got disqualified. I don't care. And I'm going ape shit now in the ring, breaking what's left of the guitar. And here comes my most memorable part of the match. Ahmed takes off like a bat out of hell, and he gets right here. He's almost up to Jarrett, and he stops. So, and this is what kind of casually walks through the curtain. So, he should have ran for another few feet. Kind of killed the uh, the uh, realism for me as he right. almost catches up to Jeff Jarrett, and then he's like, Ooh. "All right, now I'll walk." And there's that nice. I, don't get me wrong; the spot looks great where he breaks the guitar over his head off the top rope. Probably the first guitar shot off the top rope in wrestling history, unless maybe somewhere in ECW. I don't know, but uh, New Jack still... probably done it. And here's a Diesel promo, which we will not listen to. I'm cool on this Thank one. You. If you are, I'm cool too. Thanks. <laughs> We're going to go to our next match after this, though. It's the uh, WWF Tag Team title match. It's the Smoking Guns, who won the titles back from Yoko and Owen uh, way back in the fall. And uh, they're going to take on the newly formed team of the Body Donnas, Skip and Zip, which is uh, Zip his Skip, of course, Chris Candido, and now Zip in as his twin, Dr. Tom Pritchard. I believe it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, my friend always pointed out the guys who they were. Uh, he knew Goldust pretty quickly. He's like, man, that's Dustin Rose. I think he even, I think the first time we really seen him was Survivor Series 95, and he, he's like, man, that's Dustin Rhodes. I'm like, no, yeah. way. that's, that's Goldust. <laughs> so uh, he, he kind of pointed out, he's like, man, isn't that a heavenly body? So, um, yeah, I was pretty good very, at, uh, at, uh, at figuring those things out pretty fast as well. I remember when I, I, I marked out when I kind of saw Hercules' face through the Super Invader stocking back in 92. I'll go, that's Hercules. What the, you know, so <laughs> it's, uh, I always marked out when I was able to figure things out. I think the only one I didn't figure out immediately was Repo Man. Uh, it took um, probably his probably his debut match. I didn't know that was smashed during the vignettes. When he wrestled his first match and won his first match and walked over the camera and told me to pay my stinking bills, as soon as I heard stinking, I go, holy shit, that's smash. And <laughs> here's Tom Pritchard dancing his way out. I wonder if so, he was cool with cutting his hair. And he was not. Uh, Bruce Pritchard has told that story that uh, Tom thought it was a joke, and he literally cried when he had to cut his hair. Did he ever grow it back? He had to have grown it back, right? Uh, he never grew it back to the glorious uh, you know, hair that it once was. But uh, he, yeah, he's obviously, he obviously grew it back to you know, some degree. But was it ever the old Tom Pritchard hair again? No. He was very, he, like I said, he cried. Wow. But things you'll yeah, do to keep a job, it, right? man. I mean, you know, things you'll do to get a job. I guess. 
I would, and I look would at know. this. Sonny's just in the uh, infancy of looking tremendous. And this is the way I want to remember my Sonny. Same here. It's so hard, though. It's so hard, too. Uh, it's, as long as I can just stay focused on what I'm looking at right now on this screen and not think, I'm good. Yeah. And here comes the guns out to the ring. Like I, we, we've talked about this before. This is very, uh, like, probably the biggest law, well, other than nowadays, in the WWF history of the WWF, as far as tag teams go. Really, in 95, the, the, half, the second half of 95, they didn't really have any tag teams. The Blue Twins were leaving, and Vince with all the makeshift tag teams, Yoko and Owen, Bulldog and Luger, which was Vince's new idea of taking top stars they didn't have anything for and kind of combining them into tag teams, super-powered tag teams, thinking that would draw bigger ratings in the tag team division than having actual tag teams. Of course, you saw how well that worked out. Not not shitting on the team of Yoko and Owen. They, they kind of worked out. You know, they, they meshed well. Owen certainly needed to cover yeah. y- what, you know, Yoko couldn't do anymore. But that was it. That was our tag team division, if you want to call it that. And at least here in 96, for as shitty as the division becomes, at least Vince is putting teams back. They, they're wearing the same gear. You know what I mean? Like, they actually look like a tag team. Right. They actually... You know, this is what they do. They're not you, you want to hear the leaving singles feuds and getting thrown together. These are actual tag teams. Right. And yeah. and Skip hasn't even or Skip Zip hasn't even been in the company for a month at this point. And the body done has already had themselves tag team title match here at the pay per view. So Sonny does something very well to get her boys title shots. Hmm. Oh, Sonny, nineteen ninety six Sonny. <laughs> really the tag division is Sonny. Yeah, Sonny's got a beautiful pair. And the body donnas aren't bad either. I mean, as the year goes on, it's really all about Sonny, though. Yeah, it's the Sonny show. And, and yeah. rightfully so. That- you know what's sad about it? Look at the teams. Chris Candido yeah. and Tom Pritchard, Marty Jannetty and Al Snow. Henry Godwin was really getting over himself, and he had worked with uh, Phineas as Tex and Shanghai and WCW long enough that they knew each other very wow, look at that backdrop. Candido's just amazing. And here comes a bump out of the ring, obviously. Oh, it's Billy Gunn. They fooled me. I thought Skip was going to take a nice bump, but old Billy duck takes the bump instead. He's reminiscent of those squash matches from the NWA eighty nine. <laughs> oh yeah. Kill, who killed who killed him all the time? I I can't even remember. Terry Funk, I know I had him once. That was uh, it was pre Sid, so he got himself lucky there yeah. anyway. I can't remember who it was that beat him up week after week. It felt like, but the body Don is doing some great work here. Yeah, Bart, let's go. And he, well, I don't know if I buy into that. It's a nice spot, but I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, the yeah. body Don has tried to bring Bart Gun in the hard way, and Bart lets go of the ropes, which makes sense. And then he pulls both body Donnas out of the ring, and Billy with a dive there. Billy, don't do that again. It just doesn't suit you guys. They're trying new moves. You gotta give them credit for that. I think I've what we've talked about this before. The smoking guns just never did it for me ever. Their entire run, and I was pretty much so. If you were a tag team, unless you were just sucked, or you were the Bushwhackers, I was pretty much sold immediately because I love tag team wrestling. I grew up on tag team wrestling. Well, how and, can you not? Eighties. When the guns came in in '93, I just couldn't get into them. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the cowboy gimmick and the stupid gear, the jeans. But it was, it's, I don't know, I didn't really care for their wrestling. It's, they didn't really stick out. It's almost like neither one of them had any charisma. And I'm not saying they weren't yeah. perfectly fine workers, but 
Oh, look at Sonny, those tan legs. Oh, my God. You'll be all right there, Ray? Keep my uh, Boeing machine out for this one. (laughs) Oh, man. It's almost like, I think the sad part with the the guns is they're that tag team where there was really nothing else there for them. After 93, the tag division kind of just fell apart, like we talked about. and. So they're really the only tag team that stayed together oh. throughout the the time. <laughs> Go ahead. No, and, no, uh, no. I'll wait, wait until she does it again. She's over here flirting with Bart Gunn on the apron, trying to get the gun's attention to get the heels. Uh, hello. All right, we'll try to lay off that for a little bit and just have a discussion here as best we can with this match, but. I, you know, it's uh, when I when I brought up those names. Look at those names. Those are a lot of indie darlings and recent. You know, Skip obviously from Smoky Mountain. Al Snow just come from Smoky Mountain. These were guys who were totally capable workers. We've yeah, Pritchard had been here as the Heavenly Bodies went back to Smoky Mountain at the set, the latter half of '95 before it folded. I think he even did a uh, December show for ECW before he came back here as <laughs> Zip. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's what really hurt the guns. They didn't really have that feud with anybody that elevated anything, and it was just kind of treading water as the, really the only decent tag team in the company for the longest of time. So uh, I think if they were in you know the early 80s, or not the early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, they would kind of been that rocker-esque team, probably below the rockers actually. So I don't think it's just it's what they had to work with, and that's it. So it's not like a knock on them. It's just the division sucked. Billy Gunn showing his hops. Heart attack there by the smoking guns. And Sonny up on the apron getting, is that Jack Doan? Yeah, Jack Doan referee. It's getting cheeky around here. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're getting more risque. Oh, Sonny gets knocked off the apron. Great bump, great shot, great camera angle. Picked up everything, literally. And Sonny takes a bump off the apron, and Billy Gunn inadvertently sends, I don't know if that was Skip or Zip, I really wasn't paying attention, I was looking at Sonny, but into the ropes, and they knock Sonny off the ropes. She took a really good bump, too, off the apron to the floor. Now Billy concerned, this begins the uh, very slow heel turn of Billy, or uh, affection he has for Sonny anyway. He's checking on Sonny, making sure she's okay out there. And it's all an elaborate ruse as the body donnas jump Billy Gunn and Sonny jumps up and down for joy. So why Billy would be interested in anything like that beyond me, but hey, teach their own. <laughs> I think Vince was smart, though. He realized that Sonny was what was over. And, right. Uh, not the tag teams. <laughs> why don't you just why don't you just manage every team? It'll be great. Uh, Night, man, everybody's flying tonight. Yeah, even Tom Pritchard and, and, and Candido doing some dives to the floor. Everybody having That's some the fun. Dive we got. Man, they're really showing out. And uh, like you said, I think that, uh, like you said, Zip cut his hair and did the whole thing to get a job. So they're really going to do what they can to get over. And, yeah, that uh, Skip and Rad Radford tandem really wasn't working. And so Vince came up with this idea. I'm surprised they didn't really just take Luis Piccoli and have him do this. And. That's how he becomes a body Donna would have made sense, but they would have, I think they were looking for somebody more of Candido's size. And obviously if you put these two next to each other, Pritchard is bigger and they obviously look nothing alike in the face, but in general, 
If you're, you know, like I said, I wasn't paying attention a little bit ago, and I didn't know which one was in the ring. Yeah, it it worked. Uh, I I didn't mind the tag team, and I, I've always been a fan of Chris Candido, uh, even as Skip. I know it's not the best gimmick in the world, but man, he's so entertaining and so fun to watch in the ring. And it's just yeah. a shame he's kind of one of those forgotten individuals when you talk about go. all the look at this ones that left early. Tom Pritchard busting out his old doctor bomb on his own partner. Doctor bomb skip on top of Billy Gunn for a near fall. Fun little spot awesome. there. Yeah, it's uh the guns had worked quite a bit with the Heavenly Bodies over the years because they were like two of the only teams on the on the roster <laughs> during that period and they worked a lot of curtain jerkers at the house show loop. The all the loops they did together. So definitely no stranger to Tom Pritchard in here with Billy and Barton. Candido could work with anybody. You know what's really funny and it's sad and, and you know I I've mentioned this before as well. I hate to you know be dead horses, but I don't know what shows we've talked about this on. I forget how good some of these guys are until they go and remind us how good they are. Like I you know I've said before, I forget because I watch the WWF version of a wrestler and then they go somewhere else. And I'm like, holy shit, uh, this guy's great, and I knew that going in, you know, going in. But I all those years in the WWF, you forget it. Yeah. And that's kind of like Candido here. I loved Chris Candido in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He came here and did this shit. And I'm like, this guy's worthless by the time he left. And then he's in ECW for a month before I'm reminded of how talented he is. Yeah, I think I remember <laughs> I was on a discussion board a long time ago and I was listing some names of guys that were underrated and very well done. And I put Chris Candido on the list and some idiot. I don't know who you are. Hopefully you're listening. <laughs> but uh, message, message back is like, you put Chris Candido on your list. That just negates the whole thing. And I'm just like, you have no clue what you're talking about. Um, every wrestler I've, I've heard talk about him have said how great he is and how easy it was to work him because he's going to make you look like a million bucks. And, and that's no lie. You can you go watch ECW and just see how talented and good he is of a worker. And oh, if you need him to go 30 minutes, he can. Right. If you need him to go 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever the case may be, he can do it all. I think he got a little too big for his own good, but um, uh, he's he's awesome, man. So damn entertaining. Uh, we got a spot coming here. Oh, and the heels <laughs> collide. And, and wow. They, they all three they, collide. Yeah, they all three of them collided. Collided with Billy. I, I've seen the spot done many a times. Usually it's just a comedy spot with the heels colliding. Seen the Midnights do it and the Orient Express do it with the Rockers. But that was kind of unique. They added Billy Gunn. All three of them just kind of smacked heads there. So we got both body Donna's down and Billy Gunn. Let's see if Billy Gunn can make a, a hot tag through both of the body. He does, too. Bart Gunn finally in. It feels like Billy was in for the entire match. They know where the talent is. And Bart <laughs> Gunn in throwing southpaws like crazy. And now you could tell if those were real, they would already be knocked out. So, wow, that's oh, a yeah. backdrop right there. Candido goes high in the air. I thought Bart looked better uh, than Billy Gunn. I always liked Bart better. Yeah, me too. Reason. Same here. He just, he, he just seemed more believable. Uh, and especially when Billy cut his hair looking like this. Uh, he just did, like he outgrew the cowboy gimmick by this point, I thought. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it just it didn't fit him anymore. The different haircut no. and, yeah, completely different look. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It just, uh, he just felt completely different. Here we go. Looking for the sidewinder. Sunny up on the apron, though. And there's the sidewinder. It looked really nice. Really good job there by Billy Gunn coming off the top of the leg drop. And behind the referee's back comes Zip off the top. 
with an elbow. No, a skip off the top. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing them up. Yeah. Comes off the top, hits Bargun in the back of the head. And, oh, I thought the Body Donnas were going to win there. I don't remember the title changes, the tag title changes in 96 all that well. So I thought maybe they had it there, but maybe that's WrestleMania, huh? And this follows Sonny. The Body Donnas, double backdrop on Bart Gunn. So they almost had the, they, they did the old switcheroo and almost pulled it off, but they're, they're still fighting for the titles here. This has been a pretty decent match. Yeah, it's been good. It's been uh, nonstop action for certain. Yeah, we get the old, well, a little sloppy, but one, two, three. So that was nice. The uh, body down his head, Bart gun up for a double suplex. Billy comes in and spears Tom Pritchard, and then Bart can uh, use that to cradle, skip, and get the win. Sonny is not happy. But you know what that means? That means lots of bouncing up and down. So she we'll is. Yeah, I'll take it too. In <laughs> 1996, I'll take it three times every day. Yes. Like and, you said, man, it's so hard, though, not to. So in 1996, I'll take it three times every day. Yes. <laughs> and man, the smoking guns retain, though. So it's only the beginning of the saga with Sonny and the tag team titles, though. So we got a long way to go. Oh, it's off to a billionaire Ted sketch here on the Royal Rumble. I'd forgotten they put this on the pay-per-view. I'm going to pick this one up. Uh, yeah, I can't. I don't know how good it's going to be without the visual, but we can see what what old billionaire Ted's saying. Better now. They've got better athletes. All we've got are their disloyal, greedy has-beens from the 80s. Who you calling a has-been, bro? Can't blame a guy for trying to con a... make a buck. Who are you calling disloyal? Besides, I started in the 70s, not the 80s. <laughs> well, go out there and buy me some of those, uh, those WWF Generation Superstars. We've been trying, Ted. We need more action from our stars. I want them to pull out all the stops. Okay, boss. We have some suggestions. Nacho, how about this maneuver? No, I never. Ain't done it in my entire career, and I ain't about to try it now. How about climbing the ropes and performing some aerial tests? At my age, my feet don't leave the ground. Well, well, well tell us, uh, what can you boys do? You can't teach old dogs new tricks. The new WWF generation on top of the hill, not over it. Uh, Huckster, uh, what if we called you the, the, the boy toy? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. The new generation, Steve, on top of the hill, not over it. And for those who aren't watching along, what happened at the end there is billionaire Ted's trying to get them to do new wrestling moves like the WWF stars do. And Hogan and Savage, I'm sorry, the Huckster and the Nacho Man, they can't do those. They're not going to do those. And so he said, what can you do? And there was that long pause there. And they looked at each other. And then they started doing their little gimmicks. Hogan with the cupping of the ear and Macho Man spinning the finger around in a circle. So... That was basically them just, you know, tr- trashing uh, Hulk and uh, Macho Man one more time. Oh, man. <laughs> Hogan fell over in his seat there at the end. <laughs> I got to tell you, some of the very early Billionaire Ted sketches, I enjoyed. I enjoyed that one uh, with the way they n- knocked Hogan and Savage. I felt like it just went on so long that they started just forcing them onto the TV every week. And so some of them lost their luster for me. But some of the early ones were, I thought were creative and 
Yes, you guys did hear a cameo from Vince Russo, bro. Played one of the characters at the table there. Yeah. I think when they left the boardroom, that's when I stopped. They stopped being funny. Like the press conferences and and things like that, I just didn't find them very funny at all. But these boardrooms, (laughs) I love the guy who's playing Ted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single time, I just die laughing because it's so funny. And here here you guys see Goldust has gotten a razor tattoo put on his chest. I'm telling you, dude, when I saw that, I lost. I was like, are you fucking, like, I didn't think it was real, but I couldn't believe they went to that level that he's tattooed, supposedly tattooing razor's name on his body and it was like what, new new levels of, of weird here, wrestling storyline-wise, anyway. Oh, yeah. That was on Superstars, right? Because I don't remember ever seeing it. I suppose it had to have been. But here, this was on Raw here, Razor beating the piss out of uh, Dustin for real, slamming him into everything in the locker room area, and then out the door into the snow. We saw this on the free-for-all, but I, I didn't get enough of it, so I'm happy to watch it again here. And he'll take that trash can. I think it's a trash can. And whips it old at the back of the car as they peel out. And there just happens to be a trash can here. So there you go. <laughs> Razor takes a bump. I love it. I love it. Unfortunately. I about that on the Warfare show. Yeah, unfortunately, the feud kind of halts here. And then pretty much it's is over with permanently because this was meant to go through at least WrestleMania. They had already basically started promoting, at least locally and possibly even in the magazines, the Miami street fight. It was going to take place in the streets of Miami. Uh, so to speak razor and gold dust, obviously it leads to the backlab brawl when it morphs into Roddy Piper and gold dust, but razor didn't want to do this feud as we've talked about already quite a bit. He wasn't comfortable with it. Uh, clearly he had, um, issues with the, the homophobic stuff going on. Uh, Scott Hall has addressed this even to this day. He didn't want his kids seeing him involved in it. He didn't even really want his kids seeing the character. He wasn't into it, and it made him feel very awkward and uncomfortable. He didn't want to do it, and it looked like he took liberties on Goldust here just because he's being forced to work him instead of Triple H, who Scott Hall had requested to work a program with instead. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I feel. Obviously, it's wrestling. It's a work. He ain't trying to get in your pants, Scott Hall. Um, But I can understand, too, that it is uncomfortable, and if I had a kid and I had to go home and say, hey, Dad, why does that guy have your name on his chest? <laughs> like the tattoo thing. Uh, that would be an uneasy question to answer, I guess. Um, so I, I get it, but also, I mean, it is it is what it is. So if, uh, if he wasn't comfortable, then I don't think it should have been forced upon him to do it, uh, find somebody that's more than willing to do it, because obviously – I think this is a money feud if the person that was going against Goldust uh, was buying into it and not just pissed off at the world because he has to go through it. Well, regardless of how Razor felt about the the storyline, he had no business taking it out on, on Dustin Rhodes. That's just unprofessional. And what did Dustin do? He just he all he did was get himself a job. You know, he'd been fired unrightfully. So if you ask me and every, you know, all the stories you hear the way he was fired, the reason he was fired in WCW back at Uncensored, and he finally got himself a job there, you know, in the WWF by the summer, and it, the gimmick wasn't really getting over until it started morphing into what we see here entering the ring, and yes, this is the debut 
of Marlena. This is the debut of Terry Runnels, Terry Runnels, sorry, in the WWF. So she's making her debut here as uh, Marlena. It's like, what is going on here? Who is this lady? And um, I got to tell you, I was never really big into the Marlena character, but I thought Goldust needed it. So it worked in that uh, uh, for that reason alone. But and it's just never really. I, I was a Sunny fan, and Marlena really a distant second at this point. Yeah, I wonder if this is. Be- Do you think it's because they got so many complaints about the character and what they were doing that they had to bring in a woman to kind of say, hey, I, you know, I truly don't think so. That. I don't think so. I mean, she'd worked in the business before. I'm, she's decent yeah. to look at. Don't get me wrong, for sure. So Isn't I'm sure that had a lot, lot to play. What's that? This is his wife at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why she's even here. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so they've they've got her in here. I think the Goldust character just continued to evolve here. They're still trying to figure it out. They slowly gave him these, you know, tendencies that, you know, what he's doing with Savio in the ring and what he does with Razor and, and what we're going to see here and all these things. And then just Marlena becomes another facet of it, which really helped make the character even better. Gave him even more, I don't know, more storyline. You know, he came in just citing movie. It's like this guy cites movie lines and he looks like this. What the hell is he? He's an Oscar, I guess. Right. That's, that's what supposedly what he was. Yeah. He's an Oscar and he kind of morphs into this. And here's Scott Hall oozing his way to the ring as Goldust wants to ooze together. Yeah. He's wearing the white belt. Has it always been white this run? Hell if I know, dude. I can't I keep up with shit. But I, didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even realize it. But, yeah, I guess they did stick with the white there for a while. Um, no, I, I think, like you said, I think Marlena definitely added an extra edge or layer to the gimmick that absolutely helped. And um, I still remember when she gets ragdolled by China, when China makes oh, her yeah. debut. Uh, you couldn't pick a better woman to get ragdolled like that. She looked lifeless. And uh, I still remember it. It's crazy. But um, Razor with his old pyro here. That always was cool. I remember when Sid came Sid through, through it when the when the middle pyro conveniently didn't spark up. It's like, wow, geez, right. that wasn't planned. It was cool, though. Was cool <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't cool. It was very different. You didn't <laughs> see guys attack through pyro. Leave it to Sid to no. do that. I just thought it was funny that, you know, hey, look, that one pyro didn't go off. You know, the one Sid conveniently stepped through. And Goldust still has the usher here. I didn't realize the usher accompanied him to ringside. I didn't remember that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it might be. So, Goldie with the usher and Marlena, she's got her director's chair. She's smoking that big fat cigar, which is obviously a euphemism for something else. Well, she's the director. Then maybe she's just playing, you know, she's doing all the strings. This is what she wants. She wants to see her man be with another man uh well they're about to get it on in some way shape or form anyway <laughs> yeah I, I i heard a story she said she loved smoking cigars and then she got the marlena gimmick and <laughs> when she had to do it all the time she wasn't a big fan no i you know that really like i hadn't seen a lady certainly a lady looked like that smoke a cigar before so when she came in doing that it took me a little while to get even used to it. Like it was uncomfortable, not because of what it was supposed to be representing at times, but just, I don't know, just um, call me whatever you will. It's uh, old fashioned or whatever. It's like, why, why is this nice, you know, small petite young lady smoking the cigar that's as big as her head. But if she, if that's what she enjoyed. Hey, whatever, whatever floats right. her boat. I, but 
you know, I, I recognize her immediately in the face as Alexandra York from the York Foundation. The funny thing about that was Alexandra York used to have her hair up in a bun or whatever you want to call that and, and the glasses on and never really got to see her very much. And then they did the angles where Terry Taylor kept trying to leave the York Foundation, wanting to quit. And she would take off her glasses and lower her hair and seduce Terry Taylor to keep him in the York Foundation. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, this lady's gorgeous. And I, I thought she really was in the WCW there when, whenever she would let her hair down and stuff. Like I said, I don't know if that I ever really got used to the blonde look here, which she kept basically forever beyond this. But yeah, it made sense for the Goldust character, certainly. You know, if she dyed it for this reason or it was already blonde by this point, I don't know. But she had been with Crockett forever. You can go back to those you know, mid-80s, maybe at least 86, uh, World Championship Wrestling episodes, and when, it goes, when, when the credits roll, she's in there for makeup or hair or whatever it is. I think it's makeup. Terry, you'll see Terry Boatwright on there, which is, you know, her maiden name and Goldust giving Razor a little, little show and tell of the uh, posterior, if you will. <laughs> see, it looks like some Dusty would have done in his day, but would have had a different response. Yeah. You can tell Razor has no interest in this at all. <laughs> He's like ready to just get this done. He's like, let's just get into the yeah. match. Let's do the uh, spots here. Let's go. And I think too, I think it's really cool that the Hidden Gems actually put up the uh, the Miami Street Fight Challenge or, or whatever right. it was uh, yeah. that they edited out to replace with Piper, but they yeah. actually showed the original. So that was really cool to see that. I know they talked about it, and that that's one of those things that was supposed to happen but never did. So it was cool to see that piece of footage. Yeah, that's uh, what the Hidden Gems were really good for there until they got rid of them. You know, over a year ago now, it's unfortunate. Bring them back. Gold dust, just checking himself, making sure he's all there. Yep, all the parts oh, are in man. place. <laughs> For '96, man, I, I was very. Oh, uh, here we go. Here we go, Steve. This is the spot. This is the spot. Oh, oh, oh go behind on Razor! Literally, a go behind on <laughs> Razor, and uh, Scott Hall not uh, not digging that. I can't imagine what he thought when he was told we're working this spot in Pat Patterson or whoever, <laughs> whoever came up to Scott and said, this is what we're doing tonight. The crowd's going to go banana. They're going to love it. <laughs> I think it's even better knowing that Scott hated this. You know, it's like the click didn't get their way one time here and it's because it's on haul here. Well, you I know, think, uh, we move away from this feud, I mean, really just to build up to WrestleMania and not have these guys work too many times in a row. Obviously, Razor will go to the next inner house and work work a match with 1-2-3-Kid, who he's already kind of feuding with. That really hasn't been blown off yet. And then the idea was to go on to WrestleMania and have these two really have the big blow off, or at least their next step in their feud. Not really sure what the plan was beyond WrestleMania. like, But that was at that point, Razor was going to jump, and Vince conveniently you know, gave him a drug test out of nowhere which apparently, according to Scott Hall anyway, didn't really happen at that time, and he failed, and he was suspended for X amount of days, and he missed WrestleMania entirely and wound up coming back and doing a job for Vader on the way out. Missed out on the WrestleMania payday, huh? I'm sure you didn't want to do that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because uh, they even had Razor as part of that uh, tag tournament or something like that, and then he ends up just getting taken out. Yeah, not very happy. I'm sure Vince was not very happy with Hall, uh, obviously. No, especially um, after, you know, the the whole Nash 
thing and Hall. Who was first, Nash or Hall? Who who told Vince first? It was Hall, I believe, right? Hall, it was Hall. Nash was iffy. Nash yeah, was right. Iffy. Until his wife. Oh, and Razor slaps Goldust's ass. So there you. And he likes it. Oh my! <laughs> Tremendous oh, booking. I, you know, I gotta. I think back yeah, to this day. I think back to this day, and this is how. Like some days in your life, you just remember a lot of the day. For some reason, and don't ask me why, because I, like I said, I've seen better Royal Rumbles, but for some reason, this one really sticks out. The day sticks out to me. I remember my cousin Crystal being over. I don't remember if she stayed the night the night before, or if she just came over really early in the morning because she was over for the Action Zone. Because all they did for an hour was sell this pay per view, and it was really fun. Like they had, they had Jim Ross had the old Ross report at the time, and he did the top ten reasons why you need to order the Royal Rumble tonight. And it was like we were just marking out for these stupid 10 corny reasons. Obviously, some of them were like Vader and Jake and the return of Shawn Michaels was probably number one. But it was just a huge, cool day. And I just remember when Gold, when, when Razor smacked Goldust's ass and Dustin sells it like, like he enjoyed it, we just look at each other and we just start dying in laughter because it was just hilarious sell, uh, sell job by Dustin. Oh, yeah. It was great. Great psychology. I mean, the match... Obviously, it's not the best, and uh, but the story being told and things like that is Dustin's doing everything he can to get under Razor's skin, and it, it just plays out perfect. I'm honestly a little shocked that Goldust isn't putting himself in these head scissors by Razor Ramon. He's trying to escape these head scissors <laughs> by Razor. It just seems like another perfect angle where Goldust kind of enjoys the uh, you know <laughs> the position. Oh, that'd have been perfect. And the Razor lets like, go of the uh, head scissors, and now. Goldie playing the old savage here. He's putting Marlena in front of him. He should have just laid there in between his legs and started rubbing himself. He would have loved it. Oh, know? man. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they would have got away with that here. <laughs> that might have been the end of, uh, you know, the, the Goldust character. <laughs> that would have been it. Yeah, for sure. Not, no fault of uh, Dustin's, just if that's what he was ordered to do and he did it. I don't see this going on any further. <laughs> and who knows maybe that's something they thought of and scott hall said no chico that's where i draw the line right there <laughs> yeah no thanks he's probably i'm good I'll, I'll do the 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 rub down and i'll slap your ass but that's it oh he's blew a kiss to him blew a kiss. so this has really been all psychological really just a little bit of wrestling here and there but not really uh, action-packed you know fast-paced stuff yet anyway if we ever get there in this match and it's funny how the psychology in wrestling has really changed, evolved here in the WWF recently. We've talked about psychology during the hog pen match of all things with Triple H and Henry Godwin. Fast forward a month later, and now we're talking about the psychology of gold dust. So di very different yeah. from normal wrestling psychology we're accustomed to. Yeah, it's definitely unique to say the least. And uh, it's kind of what they had to do. I mean, obviously these guys aren't going to, Dustin can work. We all know that. Razor can work. But wow, picked her up. Jeez, ragdolled her. Nice, nice spot there too. Yeah, Gold Goldust picks, puts Marlene in front of him again. This time, Razor grabs her and throws her about eight feet in the air, moves her out of the way, and Goldust attacks though. So, more psychology from the Goldust character, anyway. So Marlene already working out in the favor of Goldust here, really fast. Oh yeah. So what was you saying about the, the outsiders? We were talking about uh, Hall leaving first and then Nash, you know, contemplating with his wife and his wife's like, no, you're not giving up that kind of money. Yeah, I believe I believe the story goes. I think Nash even tells the story this way, but I've heard it. You know, I've heard other insiders in the actual WWF company. I think Bruce Pritchard's told it this way as well as 
basically up until the night before he jumped, Nash got off the phone saying, all right, he had, he had been on the show 50, 50, didn't know what he was doing. And he finally said, all right, I'm staying. Don't worry. I'm staying. And the next thing you know, he had signed a contract with WCW because I guess he gets off the phone with whoever in the WWF and his wife's like, are you effing crazy? Like, you know, financially, the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the different, like she told him what he was doing and the, he's sorry, man. That's what my wife said, you know? So that's basically, and gold dust busting out the old bulldog. But I guess that's kind of how the story goes with Nash going to WCW is the wife's decision. So we've seen the wife's coming to play before with Luger and steamboat and things and no different there with Kevin Nash, but uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he didn't mind it. I mean, the payday to do nothing for years. Yeah, I think so too. I, I would, it'd be really hard to pass up on that gig, but at least he was trying to be loyal. You know, he was did trying. you see that? Did you see that slingshot back suplex? Was that like an um, homage to uh, the dynamic dudes? You don't see, see very many out. people do that. <laughs> uh, that's the wipeout. He's been watching dynamic dude tapes. Well, it's 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 half of a wipeout, so it's it's more like a wipe. <laughs> which yeah. <laughs> What's she gonna do here to raise her? Oh, she blew gold dust into the eyes of the bad guy. <laughs> So I didn't see that come. I thought maybe we were going to get some cigar smoke or a, a slap. So she threw me off there. Gold dust. <laughs> gold dust. She blew gold dust. That's what she did. Well, she sure did. More ways than one, right? <laughs> oh, man. And. Oh. But yeah, gold Nash is around through WrestleMania, and then he also gets a title shot against Sean at, I think, what, Good Friends, Better Enemies pay-per-view? Or well, they do the, don't they, they do the Sean thingy with the leg gimmick and stuff on the way, on the way out. Yeah. So, he sticks around. He, he was, it was last minute, because of what, March, April, then you got May, and then July is the, the pay-per-view or whatever, so... Well, I mean, they knew he was going way before he actually went. Like, I knew he was jumping before he jumped. I feel like we were even told this before WrestleMania, I, I feel like. Uh, because uh, Nash's decision wasn't too long after Hall's. It's just the contracts expired at different times. That makes sense. And Goldie trying crazy, to put Razor to sleep so he can do whatever wow. he wants to with him. Yeah. Use your Surprised own imagination. <laughs> They didn't drop him down the card a little bit on the way out, but he is a click member. So, well, you're gonna. I mean, you've already spent all this time building him up. He's a former world champion for a year. I mean, it's kind of silly to put him in the second match on the card when you can get a good match on him. You know, on the way out, you know he's gonna have a good match with Sean on the way out. So why not help him get over your top talent? He's leaving. Sean's not. I mean, just because a, a talent's leaving a company, and I'm sure Vince wasn't happy. Don't get me wrong, but typically the way the old territory system worked was. On the way out, you did favors, you did jobs. That didn't mean you need to, you know, do a curtain jerker job. You still could do a main event job on the way out to leave your main eventer looking strong after you know after you leave the company. And I'm sure Nash had no problem making his little buddy look good on the way out. Oh yeah, here we go. More psychology here. Oh, Razor <laughs> kind of backs Tim White into the corner. Goldust behind gets the uh, low blow. I don't think Goldie liked that one so much. Definitely not. And Marlena's not looking too happy with her thong there. So Goldust is damn near paintless here. Poor old Dustin Rhodes. 
at least he's evolved. This might even be the night where he changes. I'm not sure if he did already. I feel like this might be the night, though, where he debuts this new gold attire, this new um, fabric, if you will, other than the uh, yeah. yeah, the uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I don't even know what you call that stuff that he was wearing when he first came into the company. But uh, this is that shiny, thicker material <laughs> that's not as offensive on my eyes. Right. Yeah. Nobody needs to see that for 10, 12 minutes, however long he's out there. No, thanks. This is going on a little longer than I remembered it, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's, I didn't Razor. realize that tag oh. match went so long, and I didn't realize this one went so long. Yeah. And Hall busts out the old uh, choke slam. I don't, don't know that he's done that since he's been a heel. Or I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. I don't remember even really utilizing that as a face. Now, this I remember. Fallaway slam. Well, he has to get that in. And it's funny. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that. Oh my gosh. I don't know what they were thinking. I I was never a big proponent of putting the rumble on before the world title match. Goldust going up the ropes backwards and another low blow this time across the top rope. Marlena's up now. She's up for a spot here. Going to distract Tim white razor looking for that back superplex of his. She's getting in the ring. There it is. Boom. She's all the way in the ring. Oh, she's fell. She stumbled. She's lost the shoe. Tim White trying to beat a gentleman. Tim White was always the hoe, right? She was always in there with the Godfather match. He was, he was like the divas ref and the Godfather ref so that the, uh, the hose could roll all over him and things. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was. He's, he's always the comedy guy. And he's with Marlena and that distracts long enough for the one, two, three kid to come in from out of the crowd with a spin kick off the top rope to the back of Ramon and Goldust covers and one. Two, three, and we have a new Intercontinental Champion, just like that. A new Intercontinental Champion, Gold Dust. Wow, I was shocked by this. Yeah, I was. You know, the it was the finish that kind of came out of left field. I mean, obviously Razor's been feuding with the Kid, but they morphed into this Gold Dust Razor feud, and you almost kind of forgot about the Razor Kid feud. But it's not over, obviously. And they. They tongue kiss there. It wasn't a French kiss. They just kind of touch tongues. Oh, man. These fans are not, not fans of the Goldust character. They are shoving him and giving him the finger on the way out. Oh, yeah. It takes a little bit of getting used to. But, uh, congratulations to Dustin, who kind of made it past that lull when he first came in. The crowd was just dead. And uh, here by yeah. January, a few months later, he's got the Intercontinental yeah. title. And this is long before the title just changed hands every week. Yeah, yeah. The, the title meant something here. And uh, Razor was, you know, he was probably the biggest champion around his time. Four times. I think he was the first four-time champion. Yeah. Back when the belt mattered. And uh, he just did the job to gold dust here, even though it wasn't clean. Um, I, I was shocked by this. It was a big-time thing. I was like, damn, it is, Razor just lost? <laughs> I, I was not expecting it. Because uh, Goldust is relatively new, and those guys just didn't get the belt very often. So, definitely a surprising finish here. And like like you just kind of brought up, the next match is the 30-man Royal Rumble, and uh, this might be the first year they did that. Yeah, this is the first year that they, they put the world title match on after the Rumble, and that really confused me, and it really pissed me off. I, I hate it, to be honest with you. This is the whole reason I'm watching the pay-per-view. 
And then you close the show with, you know, Brett and Taker. And what we're looking at right here is... Get your half-A vaccine today. Hey, he's getting a damn (laughs) pay-per-view payday here. It's uh, old Jeffrey Unger, Dr. Jeffrey Unger there, talking about Sean in the Rumble, doing a promo himself. How how weird and random. Owen Hart, he's going to win the Rumble. Mm, We'll have to see. So everybody's got to remember Triple H is number one. Obviously, he lost the free-for-all match by disqualification. There's old Jake. See what demons he's got left to bring to the ring here. Can't wait to see the snake tonight. You think the snake's going to come out of the bag? Of course. Do you like the tagline for this uh, Royal Rumble? What's the tagline? I remember that. I didn't think much of it (laughs) at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Barry Horowitz. Gets a promo. Only promo ever on a pay-per-view, I would, I would imagine. Although, didn't they interview him after he beat Skip at SummerSlam? So he, I take that back because he got his very first T-shirt. They just happened to have one ready for when he beat Skip at SummerSlam. Didn't Ross interview him in the uh, aisle when it was pitch dark and you couldn't even see him? <laughs> yeah, I know it was post-match. So, it's uh, yeah, they didn't do very good lighting when they were trying to do those uh, ringside interviews there. It's Vader time. Vader's in the rumble. He's coming. This is his. Watch this. Boom, boom. Headbutts. <laughs> Headbutts the locker. He's the he's, he's ramped up, man. And Sean Michaels. I'm assuming he's the Hulk Hogan this year. I mean that he's going to be the last one to cut the promo. There is no one bigger in the match that I can think of, anyway. Besides Vader. I always loved the opening to this rumble matches i always get a little laugh out of uh, mr perfect when they announce number two because vince uh mr perfect knows who number one is so he, he guesses right at number one and vince asks him who's number two and perfect goes uh and the music begins to play and then he says who it is and it's, it's just comical mr perfect being funny so he waited for the music to play then he guesses unfortunately here on the network version we don't get the real music of entrant number two which I'll spoil it. It's, it's Henry Godwin. Uh, so I'm assuming we probably won't even get the audio, or at least we won't be able to hear it very well if we do. You want to try it? Yeah, we can give it a go. But Vince and Perfect basically hyping the Rumble. There's actually a cut here, if I remember correctly, on the network. Because I started watching this before, and I stopped watching it. Yeah, see, we cut straight to Triple H. So we missed the entire opening expl- explanation of the Rumble. Don't ask me why it's edited, but they completely edit out the the Fink or whoever's doing the intro. I don't know who, who's doing the introductions here tonight, but whoever it is explaining the Rumble rules, we go straight to Triple H coming out to the ring as number one. So I'm not really sure what the reasoning was for that edit. really makes no sense to me. I know this is the... Uh, not the Coliseum video version because uh, there's there was a few uh, interviews on the Coliseum video version that weren't here. So this is probably taken from the live version. So the edit makes no sense to me whatsoever. But we'll, we'll pick this unless up and the, see what happens. Just the take one, bad. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Uh, we got to find out who's number two, McMahon. Yes, indeed we do. Your guess would be uh, Hogman. So we kind of missed it. He goes, ah, Hogman, but the music, the fiddle had already started playing. So it was, and Vince goes, ah, I wonder why. Ah." (laughs) I think that this match, and I, I, you know, you go online, you look at the reviews and 
most of the millennials at least and maybe some of the other old timers are not big fans of this rumble match and you know whatever it's during an era where you know if you're not really into it then maybe i could i could see why but i thought that this match was very well booked especially the first third maybe in the first half i mean it gets a little you know what uh whatever there when in between some of the the angles or, or whatever you want to get the spots in this match, but this is the first rumble to really have spots in it. Like all these different, and I'm not going to spoil all of them right now, but there's a lot of things that happen here early on in the rumble match that you don't, you never saw before in a rumble. Maybe it was usually just guys come down to the ring and they do their thing until the next guy comes out. Yeah. Yeah. This was definitely, this whole Royal rumble is kind of like a, a reset on what the Royal rumble could be. Right. And, uh, I think they did an excellent job. I've always been a fan of this one. It's one of the few, like I said, that I'll actually go back and watch. Usually in World Rumble season, which Throw them kicks out. off today. Right. Really, is uh, I always go back, and I'll probably watch 88 through probably 97, 98. I'll just watch the Rumble matches. I'll probably do it like three or four times in the month just because I just love the World Rumble matches, and uh, I've seen them all 100 times. But uh they're still always fun, and I, I love the, the – you look forward to certain spots and things like that. And uh, there's a piece on this one that I always look forward to, and it's Mr. Perfect's commentary right before Vader comes out. I love it. He does a tremendous job. He's like, I just called the hotline, and you won't believe who's next, McMahon. And he does yeah, it for, I, like, the whole two minutes. And, and I, I can't remember if they – could not wait to see it. Yeah, and I can't remember if they work it into the actual Rumble match audio or if they do it before the Rumble match, but – uh, there might be an interview backstage on the Coliseum video right before this, but they actually announce who that number is uh, right before they do this. So it do, it works on the live version. Perfect saying that, but on the Coliseum video version, you actually already know who it is before they come out because of the added interview. But uh, here we go. We're already at number th- 92 as well. Yeah. And number three making oh, their way out. Sure. And it's, it's Mr. Bob Backlund here. So he's coming off that big match with, Red Hart on TV from last month, if you want to call it that. He hasn't really done a whole lot of most of 1995. So it's uh, 1996 and a new year for Bob Backlund. It's pretty much the end of Bob Backlund as a, a full-time character with the company anyway. Best I can remember. Yeah. You kind of do that same thing at the Rumble 92 where they interview Flair and they ask, like, hey, he's asking my number two. He, I got number three. <laughs> right. Yep. So it takes away from Heenan and Gorilla's commentary at that point because you know he's coming. Heenan's just pissed, but uh, that's another day and another time. But um, yeah, good old Bob coming out. Looks like they're I, trying to get some gimmicks out there for. I was I was happy when they sold this Rumble match as every two minutes because in '94 they were running short on time, and so they announced it was going to be every 90 seconds, and that pissed me off because I live for the Rumble every year. And then when yeah. you're telling me my match is shortened. That, I really wasn't happy with that at all. But in 1995, when they shortened it to one minute because they didn't think the talent that was in the company at the time could really work a full hour and keep the fans interested, which maybe that's true. I, I don't know. I mean, when I go back and I start looking at the guys in that match, it's whatever. But I still wasn't. I, they ruined it for me that year. They truly, truly did. So when they, they changed it all around and they added all these new guys, and, and like you said, they basically rebooted the rumble rebooted the company almost at the time as well. But how, how the rumble could be, there was, there were spots added to the match instead of just coming out there, kicking and punching and hanging guys over the top rope until the next guy came out. We started getting seen, we started getting to see finishers 
uh, more used more often and comedy spots and other things going on and interest music played for each and every wrestler as they made their way down. A lot of cool new additions to the match. Yeah, I agree. It definitely made it feel even more big time than it already was. And they've, they've done some things over the years prior to this one to add emphasis to the match, but the match never really changed. Obviously, 92 with the belt on the line, and then every year going forward, you get the title shot going into Mania. So um, those things helped initially, but I think they had to figure out something because if you just if you did what you said, you know, just come out, punch a kick, and try to eliminate people and not really do anything, that's going to get boring uh, rather quickly because you just don't have the star power that can come in and pop the crowd for the most part. Like you, you are dealing with some guys that just aren't over and things like that. But when your roster is as deep as it was, 89, 90, you could do that and get away with it. But now you can't. So you got to hide that with gimmicks and things. Uh-oh, so, J- Jerry Lawler's number yeah, four, and he's, he's found himself the slot bucket. And here comes spot number one. Lawler brings the slot bu- bucket in the ring. He's going to slop Henry Godwin. Old Hank's going to get it. He even put it up to the camera, but they didn't yeah, switch yeah. to it. It's one yeah, of he's trying to show the camera there's slop in here. The fans get it, though. I'll tell you that. Henry Godwin, oh, yeah. he's got the slot bucket now, and now all the heels are in trouble. Backlund don't even want any part of it. He's out of the ring, and now they're going to go congregate. This may be our first congregated spot. You know, they talk about everybody doing these dives now where everybody runs and huddles together. This may be the first time we see that. As all the heels huddle together, and Cherry Lawler gets the majority of the slop, and so do the fans' shoes in the front row. Oh, I'd be pissed. But I I just love that. I mean, you didn't you never saw anything like that before in a rumble match. So not in the rumble, no, that's, no, yeah. that's they, not even the last did. time you know something different happens here. No, definitely not. I think they're taking advantage of the fact that you gotta go over the top into the floor, which was and both feet hit, which was something that really wasn't presented that way until the year prior to this. You know, obviously with Sean only one foot, so yeah, that's another element that they instituted last year but going into this one that both feet had to hit the floor so Uh-oh. um number five bob holly start your engines <laughs> good old bob holly and uh you know bob holly gets the he, yeah, i'm gonna spoil it for everybody right now bob holly does not win the 1996 royal rumble but he does does get a long stay here tonight so you'll be seeing bob holly in for for a while if you're part of the watch along and I think a lot of that had to do with him putting in his notice wanting to quit the company before Survivor Series. If you remember back then, they took Al Snow, his avatar, out of the underdogs team and put Bob Holly in there just to pacify him and keep him happy, give him a pay-per-view and a payday. And here Bob Holly's early on here in the Rumble, and he sticks around for quite a while as well. Yeah, and he did the same thing in 94, didn't he? He was out there for quite a bit of time. That was his TV debut, right. though. So I give him a little, a little bit different there. They they couldn't chop yeah, him out too fast. Yeah. It's still no, that fun. wasn't that was not Bob Holly. That was uh Thurman Sparky plug, I believe. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I always remember him in the ring because he had some weird ass gear on. That that initial gear. Yeah, that, that was, was not gonna cut it, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I always said. laughed I always laughed at the wrestlers who had the WWF logo on there. They feel like uh welfare bootleg. Like Coco used to rock the WWF logo back in the late eighties sometimes and Bob Holly here with the, that, yeah. it just felt like hey, it's like well the wrestlers pay for their own gear but not these guys these guys just get free gear from the WWF because they can't afford their own because they're <laughs> lower tier players or maybe I thought too hard but that's what I used to think anyway. Well, I always thought of it 
probably and this is probably where they're going with he's a race car driver so you have sponsors and wwe oh, right. sponsoring i have no doubt games, that's so. really probably more along the lines of what it was they had vince gave him the <laughs> yeah. race car as we get ready for number six into the rumble here it, was he actually a, uh, was he actually a racer i know yeah he, he, he dabbled in it and he did race course. yeah yeah he dabbled in it and he did race some races for them and then when it was all over and said and done vince gave him the car i believe he said so that's one good I'm thing. Vincent, and it's the King one final payday for Sir Mo and King Mabel. They've actually, they're actually already out of the company. So I'm not really sure you sure what the story here is, unless they were just looking for more star power for the match because uh, Mabel's what final date was actually the raw bowl where he did the job to diesel in about eight seconds. Well, didn't they already have him announced by that point? He may have already been announced. That's very possible. I mean, it wasn't like it was a last minute announcement. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's odd because he's kind of already yeah, done with the company. If you go back, I'm sure if you look in the results, I'm pretty positive he doesn't do anything in between Raw Bowl and this Royal Rumble here, and then he's gone from the company right after this. So when '99 when he Viscera? Um, no, you know he did come back. He did some weird thing there where they where he randomly popped up for like a triple threat king former Kings of the Ring match on a Raw at one point before way before the Viscera thing. You remember more than I do. <laughs> well, I I, I only remember that because I uh, I remember watching that with my brother. In '96? No, this was this was, was no no no. This is years later. I don't know. Couldn't tell you the year, but it was a little later on. Huh. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I don't remember S- that at all. Speaking king, speaking of kings of the ring, uh, the ringmaster is uh he's only been with the company a week or two here at this point debuting on the brother love show and having a match and steve austin will be part of this royal rumble match at some point yeah and this is the only time during the ringmaster run that vince even uh names him he calls him on the way to the ring it's the ringmaster steve austin so he actually calls him by name here which i thought was uh interesting here he comes let's let's try to listen to this Here we go. That's what I think it is. Well, wait a minute. What? What's going to happen? Jake the Snake Robertson. It's Look at the size of that snake. <laughs> Holy shit. Look at this. That snake's <laughs> damn near. It's got to be 20 feet. Massive. It goes across the entire ring, and he puts it on Lawler. So poor Lawler gets slopped and snaked, if you will, here. <laughs> and Lawler's had enough for a while. He's going to crawl out of the ring and hide under the ring. For for, yeah, for a while here in the match, another great spot, the snake spot and the Lawler spot with him going under the, and there's uh, Jake's uh, helper here getting the snake in the back. That is a huge snake as Jake makes That's his cool. return to the company. No wonder he was struggling to get to the ring. Yeah, <laughs> he it's, was struggling. I remember, you know, I remember when they first showed him in the promo. Uh, me and my cousin, who was who was over at the time, I, we he looked a little rough, you know, he had aged quite a bit and for obvious reasons, you know, when you get to know what, what Jake had going on in his life, but he, he aged maybe a little more than you would expect over the course of three, four years. And Mabel bumps into another <laughs> spot here. He just knocks everybody everywhere. But Jake oh. looked, you know, we couldn't get over maybe the, the hair or the mustache. He let it go a little gray. Why would you do that when you're making a comeback? Maybe, maybe the, the hair stuff wasn't there. We could comb it in yet. I don't know, but 
it was him coming to the ring and struggling with that bag that really made he was really you could tell he was taking every ounce of strength in him to hold that snake up over his shoulder to carry it to the ring. But for good reason. Look at the size of that snake. Yeah. Yeah, you think it's him, but then you see it come out of the bag and it's like, holy shit. It's massive. Like you said, it covers the whole ring. Oh, it's Haas Funk. Going back to WrestleMania 2 here. Dory Funk Jr., former NWA world champion, coming out. And I think they name dropped Terry Funk here as well. Yeah, I think so too. But I think as a kid, man, I'm just thinking, what the hell is this old guy going to do? Is he really got a chance to win? I know what I was thinking. I was thinking, man, I wish that was Terry Funk. I remember thinking that. (laughs) So I can, I can tell you that much, but no, man, up until now we're getting these cool spots. We're getting theme music. Dory Funk Jr. Coming out. Who did he come? He came out to somebody's theme, didn't he? Uh, Yeah. He came out to Sam Houston's theme. That's who he he came out to Sam Houston's theme. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's right. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that's Sam Houston's theme music as he (laughs) came out and, so it was up until now, man, it's a little bit of everything going on in the ring. It's uh, crazy to watch Dory Funk now as an adult, Dory Funk and Bob Backlund going at it, two former world champions for different companies. And I'm sure they gave each other a couple live rounds, just kind of laying it in a little snug, not to hurt each other, but hey, they, they could still go and proving it to each other, I'm sure, having some fun. I like how, I like how they gravitated toward, towards each other because they, they're probably thinking, yeah, we're about the same speed. If if uh, Bob wasn't wearing knee pads, I don't know how you know you might not be able to tell them apart. <laughs> Rocking the same uh, right. trunks, old school blue, the old Roddy Piper blue. For anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, yeah, and, I, think, I think it's cool that like I think they appeal to a certain audience there. And there you go, you see Lawler. Under ha, the ha, it's Lawler under the ring. So uh, Jake, you're appealing to an old timer there. You're trying to gain back some of those older fans. And, what better oh. way than get two champions at it? And that's why you don't do big bumps right there. I don't know if you caught that. Triple H takes a bump, I think. I don't know who knocked Triple H down, but Hank, old Henry Godwin, comes off the middle rope with a clothesline, and Mabel falls and just misses landing on Triple H's leg. Might have ended the career of Triple H there had he, had he landed. Oh, Very speaking good. of landing on people, holy shit. It's, it's the 600-plus-pound Yokozuna chewing some gum so he can keep that oxygen flowing as he makes his way to the ring. And we got some beef in there now, Yoko and, and Mabel in there at the same time. My goodness. Oh, Tori in the crossface chicken. If anybody knows the counter to the cross, well, there's, well, Yoko knows the counter. Yoko just nails Backlund from behind. And this might be it for Bobbert. Say goodbye, Mr. Backlund. <laughs> Yoko's looking for the right. There you go. That's the side we'll throw you. Oh, Bob Backlund, the first man eliminated. We've seen this before. This is a throwback to 93. Yoko going to dominate. We'll yeah. see. And he's going right after Mabel though. The two big guys, they both already look gassed. Oh, they're blown up. Poor. Yeah. Poor we're starting Hulk, to get that. Back there. He's stuck in the corner, man. <laughs> yeah. Mabel poor, poor Henry God. He's like, you guys are ribbing me, right? They might be. Oh, I think he is. Cause Yoko's laughing. <laughs> Yoko's oh, laughing. pin Hank in the corner and gets a splash and Yoko's ass. And either part, part, both part of that uh, crew, the Undertaker crew. Yeah, the BSK. So Yoko had like a little. Yoko turned around and put his ass up against Henry. He had a big smile on his yeah, face. Yeah, he sandwiched, so, sandwiched Godwin in the corner. <laughs> and then he just spit his gum at Mo. Yoko showed more personality like outside of his gimmick in the first 30 seconds in the ring than he did his 
probably his whole career before. He yeah, and I get place. I get why they couldn't have him talk when he was doing the Yokozuna character, the heel character. But when the minute he started speaking, I was like, why didn't they let this guy talk before? He was good on the promo. I thought. I think I thought so too. Very believable. This dude's Japanese. I mean, you, you buy the gimmick when he first came in. And here's Triple H trying to, if anybody's going to eliminate Mabel by themselves, it would, it would definitely be Triple H. And speaking of click members, here comes the one, two, three kid who's looking behind him. He looks a bit worried about after what he did to his, bu- his old buddy. Ray- oh, here comes Razor Ramon chasing. This is another spot. Razor Ramon yep. trying looking for revenge. I love this. Yeah, looking for revenge from that. earlier in the night. <laughs> the referees are diving, hitting the floor. Racers chasing the kid through the ring. The kid running in and out of the ring all every which way. And this is a, technically the only time Razor was ever in a Royal Rumble match, if you want to call it that, because he seemed to avoid it every single year. What's that? I wonder if you did. I wonder if you did that on purpose. I, you I know, know, I just the way the cookie crumbles. But man, it's weird to think that Razor was never in a Royal Rumble. Yeah, as a kid, you're making stupid excuses like maybe he doesn't know how to go over the top rope. <laughs> Something stupid like that. Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> it's like there's got to be a reason because you, you notice these things, you know, way back in those days anyway. Man, he's never, he's always in those, you know, uh, intercontinental matches or things like that. And yeah. Mabel, Mabel Nails Razor here. Yeah, he was, oh. he was always champion or he was fighting for the belt at 93. So obviously right. he's not going to be in the Rumble. So. It just I never worked out, but it yeah, it would have been fun to see Razor in one of these things just one time. I think so too. The kid working over Dory Funk Jr. I'm sure one of his mentors. So that's so. Uh, yeah, it's kind of well, you know, kid get trained under uh, Boris Malenko, and I'm sure you know Dory was doing all those camps and things. So I'd have to imagine at some point the kid learned a few things from Dory. I'd have you know if he, if the opportunity. Uh, was offered to him, I'm sure. And Dory busting out old school. <laughs> <laughs> Falls on his ass. Airplane spin, and he may have really lost balance there because <laughs> he takes a bump on his ass. May have <laughs> blew out his knee there. May have lost so. balance anyway. Look at Mabel with the kid high in the air there. Yeah, Fun stuff. They did, a, they did a piece on Dory Funk in one of the magazines later on. Like, oh, like, Orient Express music. Got to play it for everyone. Aja Kong's gone, so we got to give it to somebody else, and it's Takayo Amori from All Japan. This one really caught me off guard when they announced this one. I wasn't a, uh, wasn't familiar with Omori. I knew some of the other guys in the All Japan company at the time, but not Takayo Amori. I had to do a little digging and, and learn a little about him, and I couldn't even do that really at this point here in January '96. You weren't you weren't going to find a lot on Takayo Amori on AOL, you know, back in that no. time frame. No, absolutely not. But I had started, uh, you know, purchasing up a couple of the Japanese tapes from the magazines and things. So I did know some of the guys, but this was not one of them. I, when I saw the name, I go, man, I knew this guy and this guy. You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't want to say I knew Masawa and Kawada and Kobashi. I don't remember which ones I did know, but I'm like, this is the one I don't know. So it was like an unknown to me, but it was still cool that they brought this guy over. Think about this. See, this is legit. They literally brought this guy over from all Japan pro wrestling, paid for the flight and everything so that he could come over here and work the Rumble match for about two minutes and do nothing. Wow. And then he's I, gone. I don't know, if, don't you know if he was just happy to be here or, you know, or if he was like, well, this was bullshit. I don't, I, you know, I don't really know how, what his mindset was here, but here he is. People forget. It's Omori in the 1996 Royal Rumble. What's that? Did he have a decent career, like in all Japan? Yeah, more so in the tag team division. But I mean, he was—he had a long career, uh, you know, into the two thousands. Anyway, 
he, he at this point though he was still very young in in the uh, in the profession for him so he hadn't really reached his pinnacle yet at this point so he was just uh, it was just an odd choice I don't know if all Japan made that yeah. choice I don't really know how it went I don't know if that was a Dory call because you know Dory used to have used to actually book all the gaijin talent way back when to bring into the you know the WWF or the United States I mean book the gaijin talent to go into all Japan that's what I meant and here's Dory yeah. grabbing the kid. Double underhook. And I'm just guessing. I don't even know if Dory had any pull like that at this point. But And it's Savio, another fairly decent name here in the WWF roster at this point. Savio in at number 12. So Vader's coming up next. I don't want to give it away, but if you, watch, if you listen to the commentary about a minute before he comes out, man. Mr. Right. We'll, we'll, go, we'll cut to the uh, commentary in a little bit. We've got Savio Vega makes the 12th guy. Uh, out and I, th- you know, you got to count Lawler underneath the ring. I think Backlund's the only one eliminated so far, so really building up as well. Yeah, I we'll think listen, so too. We'll listen to Mr. Perfect now. Get him over the top rope. That's it. That's well. Here we go. Mabel. Mabel goes over. There you go. I can't believe it. Yokozuna eliminating 568-pound Mabel. Now Yokozuna. Is the big daddy in there? Wait a minute, Jake the Snake is gone. It's gone. No, it was Omari. What a maneuver by Jake the Snake Roberts. Unbelievable. Did you see that? It looked like Jake was going to be eliminated by Omari. But he, Jake he's a, pulled a tremendous maneuver. Here we go with Yokozuna being dumped unceremoniously out of the ring by Yokozuna. Uh, ooh, now we're narrowing things down a bit. And Yokozuna. From behind, Yokozuna. Like, man, I just tapped into the superstar line. You're not going to believe who's next. You're not going to believe this. I'm not? You're not going to tell us, are you? No. I don't think so. One, two, three, kid. And Savio Vega. Vega making a tremendous difference in there. What's he going to do here now? Suplex nicely done. Dory Funk executing the veteran. Dory Funk executing a beautiful suplex. But you have to suplex someone over the top. And imagine Yokozuna being pummeled here. On the other side. Wait till you wow. see this. Oh, Holly, who is it? Wait. I can't wait. Here we go. And it is. It is. Who is it? Vader time. Vader time. Look at the size of this man. The mastodon of the World Busting Federation, perhaps. Yes, and... Oh, it's Vader time in the WWF right now, and I was marking out <laughs> as he made his way to the ring. You didn't really forget about him, but you got so enthralled with the action that you really weren't waiting. You know, when Mr. Perfect said, you won't believe who's next, I remember watching this and going, who the hell is he referring to? Like, who could it be? Because it really could have been anybody. It could have been another mystery guy or whatever, but no, it was Vader, and it, it didn't let let you down. No, definitely not, and... I, I still remember. I remember the day hearing it. That's the one piece of commentary that I don't forget from this show. Oh yeah, it I is, thought it was a great sell because you didn't hear announcers say that very often. They know well, a number, you know, before the guy comes out. So it was a pretty big deal when when Hennig did that. Well, and he kind of sold the superstar line at the same time. Yeah, exactly. He was smart enough to put over how he knew it. He's not just saying, "Well, I know who's next," and you won't believe who it is. It's, and hey, Sabi- I tapped into the superstar line. I know yeah. who's coming. And. uh so, hey, I want to call the Superstar Line and find out who's next. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait a minute. You call the Superstar Line, you can find out who the next guy is? Oh, I might do that, too. And Savio just saved Dory Funk. Dory Funk probably walked over to Savio, saw Vader coming and said, just throw me out. <laughs> I've had enough. 
and Savio uh, helps Dory because Dory goes out, and as soon as he does, Vader Vader beats the living shit out of poor Savio Vega in this match. I remember that too. Look at this, and this isn't even this isn't even it. Like he picks on poor Savio for the longest time in this match, and uh, I thought it was very good booking as well. I don't know if you noticed right before Vader came out, who got eliminated? Not just to Takayo Tuk- Amori, but Yokozuna eliminated Mabel because you couldn't have enough big guys in the ring at the same. You didn't, you didn't want Ma- Vader to look too small, and so you right. get Mabel out of there and perfect timing, real good booking with that as well. Yeah, Mabel was—he's just a little too uh, tall. <laughs> Doug Gilbert gets that. Uh, I think he gets the old Dick Slater music, doesn't he? The Dixie music from '86. I don't remember now. This is as good as mine. I think he did. About Eddie Gilbert right about now. And uh, yeah, Mr. Perfect. That's what's uh, great about this. Vince kind of—I don't know. You know what really killed me was Mr. Perfect tries to sell the USWA and sell Doug Gilbert and everything. And Vince just plays absolutely stupid to part of it because he's like, "Didn't he win a, a tournament in USWA to get here?" And Vince's like, oh, "I don't know. How the fuck do you not know, Vince? Are you serious?" But th- <laughs> what, what was great though was, oh, look at this. We'll talk about Doug in a second. But oh, look like oh, they, oh, here we go. Look at this. Boom, now Jake's going to walk back about 12 feet and jump out of the ring. Now, you remember what Vince says about that? That's the question, because that's one of those comedy spots where uh, me and my cousins, my brother, we laugh about it years later. Uh, Remember when I pointed out some things to you at Survivor Series 95 that maybe you hadn't noticed before? On commentary here, when they show the replay, or you might even announce it before they show the replay of Jake going out, but... Because it's so ridiculous, Vader hitting him from like, you know, 14 feet away and Jake kind of walking over the ropes and throwing himself out. Vince proclaims Jake is just so tall that he lost his balance and fell over the top rope. I'm like, what is he, Andre the fucking Giants? But that's that's Vince's reason for why Jake fell out like that. So I, <laughs> we, we, we got to let here, Let's see if he can pick it up. Oh, look at that. And Jake trying to gain his balance. He's so tall. He went over. Unbelievable impact by Vader. So there you go. Vince McMahon covering for Jake's. Uh, well, I mean, they just did the spot too far away from the ropes, really. Jake looking for that DDT. And he did actually land a DDT before he went out. I, I don't know if it was on Savio or who he did it on, but the camera kind of misses it. That's why we didn't really see it. Savio lays a nice kick on Vader, though. Oh, we were talking about uh, Doug Gilbert. Yeah, you mentioned Mr. Perfect said had mentioned how he had been tag team partners with Doug's brother, Eddie, earlier in the early 80s in the WWF when they were both uh, just getting started, really, in the, in the big leagues anyway. And Vince kind of acknowledged that. Yeah, yeah, you guys were a tag team here. Something you actually remembered. Now, Savio had a nice kick on Yoko down in the corner. Oh, yeah, think- Savio, Savio was laying him in pretty nice. And this here, this is squat team member number one, I'm, I'm assuming A, B, I don't know. They were when they were headhunters. They were headhunters A and B. He might be a number here. Uh, yeah, it looks like number one. But I think Vader did the right thing by going to Savio because Savio's gonna make you look like a million bucks. So you you can't go wrong with that pick. Oh, poor Doug know. Gilbert. Now, oh, this is gonna hurt. Oh, pure just death. Just choke slams Doug Gilbert through the ring. Yeah, he presses oh. Doug out here at, at any time now. I, I remember that press slam to the floor on Doug Gilbert. I believe that's how Doug's eliminated. Yeah, Squat. Doug's like, dude, I'm done. Get me out of here. Yeah, here we go. He's got him by the goozle. Pick him up in the air. Jim Cornette's got a – he knows Doug Gilbert. He knows the Gilbert family. And, well, they kind of botched the spot. <laughs> Vader just dumps him at that point. It was quick going at it down there. Well, it's still better than the old Sid and, uh, you know, Dwayne Bruce spot anyway, the press slam to the floor. That was a little safer. And there goes squat team number one, just like a squat. 
Just squashed them. Man. They I was did. like, who the hell were these guys? I remember when these guys came out, I was like, who the hell are these guys? Well, I thought they were going to do were something bad. in here. But what's so odd is Vince booked so many of these giant guys in this match, but maybe it was all a plan to get Vader over. But wait until they cut, wait until the next squad team member comes in the ring. If Vader beats the shit out of both of some live rounds. And not, not that Vader didn't do that often anyway. Look at that right there. Yoko and Vader going at it. And they're technically both managed by Jim Cornette at this point. So Cornette's having a, a conniption fit out over there, telling him to try to get Yoko to back off Vader. As uh, we count down to our next man, it's squat team member number two. And they meet in the middle of the aisleway, and they both decide that we're both going to go back to the ring. And that'll be uh, number 16, so we're more than halfway through the Rumble. Squat team number two. The headhunter's coming, coming straight over from ECW at this point. And we never see him. Well, they do return at one point. Jim Cornette brings him in for one night uh, way after this. But it's kind of funny that they bring him in for this rumble and you're waiting for him to debut on TV and they just, they never do. Maybe slipping on the apron there. And watch this here. Vader nails some nice shots to some ears here. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Oh, my Boom God. in the face. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Vader, just, he don't care. Oh, man. Get get yourself you over, boy. And here goes, yeah, uh, Dominican, I believe. Oh. Yeah. And there, there goes. Joko dumping one. Yeah, Look at man. that. I always remember that dude landing on his feet and then falling over like that. <laughs> Those guys were so to... impressive, though. I'm really shocked that they didn't really use them because they did crazy flips and moonsaults and somersault flips to the floor and things like that. And again, I. <laughs> Saw him from IWA King of the Death matches, the tag match on the on the table. I believe they wrestled, uh, man, who the hell? The Silver King and El Texano, maybe, or something like that. I have no idea. Bob Ali just kicked Vader, and Vader just looked at him like, dude, not today. <laughs> Went to Savio. He's like, I'm not having it. Vader everybody gets one, it. Bob Holly. Yeah, everybody gets one. Walk away. Oh, man, I love Savio, Vader. Savio coming back for more. Triple H going to have to join in with Savio here on Vader. That's the only way Vader's going to sell. He ain't selling for nobody. <laughs> he really isn't. It's, it's awesome. And he's injured, right? Because, uh, you know, the angle the following night, and then he's gone until yeah, Mania. Yeah, because he has to have so surgery, shot. I believe. Yeah, he works his shot, injured, and looks like he looks awesome. Yeah, maybe that might have been why he couldn't press Doug Gilbert over his head, too. I'm not making excuse, uh, excuses for him or anything, but that might have been, you know, the reason that spot even got botched, because other than that, he's looked he's looked like Vader. Yeah. Now, I can't imagine how many guys walked out of this match and had a word with Vince, like, dude, you got to talk to this guy, because I don't know that he ever works like this again. But. Who the hell is he beating up? He's beating up, the, he's beating up maybe Yoko and then obviously the Headhunters. The hell, they're gone. Uh, he's, everybody he's connected with, he's he's given him at least one good shot, from what I've seen, anyway. <laughs> oh. Savio, <laughs> the th this is where they double-team poor Savio. I think Savio's night's over here. That's where he gets murdered. Wrong corner, Savio. Betting he, look at his face. He almost looks out of it. After that one shot from Vader, he looked dazed. Like, legit dazed. <laughs> He wasn't really selling. His eyes looked like they were staring off into space. And if that wasn't enough, here we go. 
Aww. He like made up there a little bit after that first one. Yeah, he's like, sorry, brother. I didn't mean to kill you. <laughs> I'll splash you. I, I always loved the way he slapped his hands together on that splash in the corner. It, it seems like it just added more impact. And even when he did it, like, off Irish whips and everything else. Oh, yeah, when he ran guys added, over. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like he added more impact to the move. If you would just hit him with his gut, this looks like a fat dude mowing over a skinny guy, but slapping his hands like that just made it look even better. Do you want well, to hear Vince, uh, Vince McMahon's man cream his pants? And yeah, sh- yeah, that's what I was about to say. Pissed off. I can't stand this guy. Poor Savio. Those entrance themes, man, they really they really add a whole lot to this match. Just keeps it exciting too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There goes, you don't you don't have to wait Sabio. to see who it is. Like you see uh some of those rumbles guys, it's pitch dark, you can't even see who they are until they're halfway down the aisle. Yeah. And you can't really get excited, but as soon as you hear that music, it's like, oh, it's Shawn Michaels. Here we go oh, again. It's uh, Yoko Invader round two in the middle of the ring. And Shawn keeps waiting for it. You can see him yeah, he's just looking here. over his shoulder, waiting for his big spot here to steal this show from everyone. And, oh, there they go. Oh, the mask comes oh, off. Oh, look at that. that you can't tell me those aren't straight <laughs> fists to the face. Oh, Yoko can't be happy. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't oh, think man, Vader's thrown we... one, one oh, pulled punch yet. Yoko's being nice, oh, honestly, Yoko's after there. all those legit shots. Oh, my God. Vader's just rocked Yoko repeatedly. And Yoko's, you know, the Simone that he is, just took there and stood there and took it. Didn't even sell. And Sean just comes over and dumps 9,000 pounds over the top rope. And that Vader and Yoko are, are, are both gone, just like that. And just for good measure, watch the one, two, three kid. You should pick up the audio of him dumping them to perfect. Sure. like, what's with this guy? And I remember the crowd going nuts when he presses the kid out like he did some big giant <laughs> task there, pressing a 107-pound kid out of the ring. And so Vader and Yoko both eliminated at the hands of Shawn Michaels. He's not Hulk Hogan. It's not believable. I was a fan of Shawn Michaels at this point still. And we see Yoko and Vader getting each other's faces out. Oh, Yoko shoving Vader. Some issues yeah, in no, Camp Cornette there. That spot, you, you, you couldn't see it. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't going to see it. You knew and at that point. Cornette tried to separate Yoko and Vader, but it looks like Vader took a shot, knocked Yoko down. Now Vader entering, re-entering the ring. Hakushi's on his way down, but he's wisely just standing out there waiting for this to end. So I'll wait for this to play out. As Vader re-enters the ring. punches on Sean here? Uh, yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, he's not taking any chances on Sean. There's no way. Well, <laughs> he do- he probably does later on. Oh, I'm sure he would. And here's a here's the press slam. Sean's gonna get eliminated from the rumble, but he's not. Oh, I, dude, when Sean came in and dumped Vader and Yoko, and then Vader initially dumped Sean there, I was like, I'm done. Like I was having so much fun with this match, and then everybody who I wanted to see win or wanted to see was gone. You know, and it was like it's shit out of everybody. Yeah, Vader's just dumping everybody. It. Only only Owen escapes. Owen gets thrown through the ropes twice, I think. 
for some odd reason. I, I guess Cornette, yeah. he's well, a member Owen's of stupid getting back in the ring. <laughs> yeah, Owen's a member of Camp Cornette, so I guess Vader's going easy on him there. Owen's still playing the gimmick of not letting his feet hit the floor. Like he doesn't realize. Yeah, yeah. Owen's selling like he's going over the top rope because he's trying to keep from hitting the floor. And Vader Gorilla Monsoon right. in the ring now with every official in the company. And Vader in the face of Gorilla. We'll see more of that tomorrow. Yeah, and Raw, absolutely. The crowd kind of gives him a pop here, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, you didn't see somebody terrorize the damn company like this. They never booked a heel to do this before in the history of the damn company. It was something different. But I got to say, I was very upset until I realized all the guys could come back in because I was, you know, it was awesome. Vader was there. Sean dumped. I was very upset that Sean dumped Vader and Yoko together. That pissed me off. It kind of took away. Oh, here's the spot. Here's Sean supposed to throw Cornette over the top rope, but Cornette gets stuck. They have to do the spot twice here. Would have been fun if he had done it right the first time, but eh, there you go. <laughs> Cornette eliminated from the Royal Rumble. And Sean's not even selling that big press slam either. No, he's already back in doing it. Here comes Hakushi in for the two minutes he's in. Springboard elbow doing his little Muda spot there. I love Hakushi. Yeah, he's pretty much done. This is pretty much it for the character. I mean, he might show up another time or two. But I really don't remember him beyond the Royal Rumble. So his year with the company, his contract's up, and he's getting the hell out of Dodge, and I can't really blame him. I can't blame him either. This this is it. I got to ask you, did he him and Hayabusa tag a lot, or was that just like a – I think I've seen the tape of them where they had a few matches over in Japan, but was that a Yeah, but they weren't – they were yeah, they didn't team all the time, no. I mean, they had their separate careers over there. But, yeah, they they did team – uh, here and there but you know everybody remembers ecw yeah the heat wave yeah yeah but i was just curious if they did a something consistently over in japan or i know they had a few matches but not i didn't know if it was something they did all the time i'm assuming hakushi worked elsewhere in case you missed it the first seven times they talked about it sean dumped fader and yokozuna over together and you gotta gotta get sean over there i just i'm telling you man Sean was probably my favorite wrestler in the company right here in January of 1990. I hadn't gotten completely sick of him at this point in 96 yet. And even that pissed me off. Like that was just overbooking. It's almost kind of like how you said, you know, you were a fan of Hogan, but even you can realize some things are just ridiculous in the booking with Hogan. And that's the way it was yeah. there. I was like, really? He needed to do that. You need, or at least not even eliminated him, but eliminated him together. And this early in the match, which Yoko probably did need to, you know, and there goes Hakushi yeah. out by Owen Hart. And <laughs> here comes another underneath. It's Aldo Montoya, Mr. Jockstrap, the Portuguese Man of War, PJ Walker, just incredible. Call him what you will. A Suedo click member. Yeah, pseudo, baby. And you know what? You know what's funny? Is I don't understand how this character morphed into whatever the hell this is here because it was originally supposed to be a Portuguese soccer player. The original sketches were of a soccer player from Portugal and because Vince learned he could speak Portuguese, so automatically he had to be a Portuguese character. And of course, he got to use the, the Portuguese language, what, once? His first ever promo in the ring with DiBiase? Never spoke it again, so it was irrelevant. But here he is, and I don't know how you go from a soccer player to, like I said, whatever the hell this is. Like, who came up with this? Who knows? But I think... I mean, what do you do? I mean, we're going to put a jockstrap on your head. <laughs> what do you do? 
<laughs> okay. You sign a contract and, uh, you know, yeah. wait for something better to come along, I guess. Yeah. It's like the Red Rooster gimmick. And uh, thankfully, he got with Paul Heyman and had a decent. Uh, he had a hell of a talk. run for ECW, but I got to be honest with you, other than his initial stuff with Jerry Lynn, I loathe the just incredible character, his working, his the character, the wrestling, everything. Like, that was probably my least favorite match on those shows back in his period with ECW. So, you know, all you ECW fans, send your hate mail to me. But I, I did <laughs> enjoy, like, when I. When he first came in and he worked that pay-per-view, whatever, November to remember, or whatever it was with Jerry Lynn, I can't remember what it was now. I was like, wow, that was fucking awesome. Great match. I can't remember what pay-per-view it was now. But beyond that, once he started getting that world title type push and main event, it was that was just not it for me. Was, I didn't get it. And I felt like his prime years, like the years he could have really you know, worked, wrestled, were, yeah, and Jerry Lawler gets found by Sean there and popped out. And it's just in time for Diesel, Man. just as well. Because now we're going to have Nash and Michaels in the ring. And the click's going to dominate. And Triple H is in there for for the moment. Yeah, I felt like he was way over-pushed. Uh, he, he was booked invincible in ECW in that run. And it looks and like... Impact players both. And I he didn't have... It just... Yeah, he didn't have as much pull here because he's already gone. And there goes Tatanka, who was in for cup of coffee there. Yeah, for two minutes. Is he done? He he's done for after that. Like we don't see him anymore. Yeah, Tatanka right? was actually he just he was just brought back for the Rumble match. He was gone since the fall. He was gone since at least October, I think, because of some um, accusations made by a female, and Vince uh-huh. could not have him. You know, couldn't have the liability on his roster. There was court things going on at the time. I don't know how it played out or anything like that, so I won't get too deep into it. But I do know it's basically why they had to take him off TV. And here he comes back here, and you kind of realized he was no longer with the corporation because when he comes out, when he came out, he had his old Tatanka music. There was no money signs and money music and things. So, but yeah, he was just brought back for this this show. Same same with a few guys, Mabel, Tatanka, Kama, who we'll see here still. Brought back just for this match. There's that spot. They're showing every Shawn Michaels elimination. <laughs> it's like. It's which if, which uh, just so happens to be a lot of the cool eliminations at the same time, watching Yoko and Vader go over the press on the one, two, three kid. And then Lawler there taking that awesome back backflip bump, bouncing his ass off the top rope and taking the bump out of the ring. So Jerry Lawler lasted a good little bit of time there underneath the ring. But once Sean found him and brought him in, it was <laughs> bye-bye King. And speaking of comma, here's, the Undertaker's buddy. You know, I read recently, and I don't know if it was a story he told on the network because there's so much Undertaker stuff on the network right now, and I have not watched it all. But there's a story somewhere that just came out recently where Taker talked about how often he got wasted with Kama, and he would keep giving him his Rolex all the time. Taker had this very, very expensive Rolex, but he loved Kama so much he's like his brother, and he would always give him this Rolex, and Kama would take it. And then just get quietly give it back to Taker the next day and never speak of it. You know, like, and Taker said he just, that's how he just appreciate Kama so much because he kept giving him, you know, like, he, he, what kind of a friend he really was because he kept giving him back his multi, you know, ridiculous amount, you know, whatever the Rolex was. He would just hand it back to him the next day because he knew he only gave it to him because he was, you know, drunk. Right. <laughs> so I just thought it was a funny story. And, you, you know, these guys go back to Japan together at the turn of the 80s into 90. 
So they've known each other a very long time, way before they, uh, either one of them ever really made it. That's pretty cool. Memphis, yeah, Memphis and, and Japan. I'm glad, kind of low on the action here, but I'm kind of glad that Undertaker, if he is officially retired, that he did it while he's still alive and we didn't miss out on this opportunity to tell the actual, you know, there's the gimmick and then there's the actual man. And it's really, really cool to see all these stories and hear all the people that were impactful in his life and stuff like Kama and Henry Godwin, where these guys make no sense being around the undertaker, the gimmick, but we all know like they're his best friends and things like that. So hearing the stories of things he did and stuff like that, I remember from the broken skull sessions, the first one where he's talking about the, he drank Cypress still under the table, just destroyed him. He's like, Oh, you guys are done. And they, they were all passed out and taker was the only one up. So, uh, I'm sure those stories are pretty uh, aboundful, a lot of them. But uh, <laughs> Oh, look who it is, man. It's the ringmaster, Steve Austin. I so marked yeah, out man. when he named him when he named him by name. I was like, oh, finally, because they didn't call him that on the Brother Love show when DiBiase first introduced him or in his uh, squash match that he worked before the Rumble. But here, Vince, and then we don't hear the name again until he becomes Stone Cold. Stick your hand out and touch your screen, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God that evolved. Oh my God. Same you know, man, you know what's, man. you know, what's crazy is Steve Austin never had trouble cutting a promo in WCW. So it was you just him trying to find himself. Either. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, not neat. You're right. Not an ECW either. Right. So I think he was just trying to find the character and find himself. Obviously he said from the get go, he hated the ringmaster name. I kind of liked the name. Uh, uh, I thought it was stupid for Steve Austin. Well, you know, obviously anybody can like anybody can see that's freaking Steve Austin and whatnot. But here he goes, gonna take a bump over the top rope there. But when he came out and DBS introduced the Ringmaster, I just there goes Bob Holly out, knee to the back, and Bob Holly goes flying. Bob Holly in for quite a little bit of time though. He did a pretty good job out there holding his own. Bob Holly did about thirty nine minutes thirty five seconds, looks like, according to the old Wikipedia. Anyway, that's crazy. You're gonna earn this paycheck. You want to quit? No, he wanted to get it. He wanted to get in there. He wanted, I'm sure he had some fun out there, just uh, getting it in. Oh, I'm sure he did, especially if he's not working. You know, they're not doing anything with him, and all of a sudden he's like, "I'm gonna put my notice in." And they give him 40 minutes in the rumble. He's like, "Sure, I'll take it." That has to make you feel appreciated when you're somebody underneath, and you you're you're not really lobbying for something. You're not really giving them complete shit. Like you're not being an asshole. You're just like, dude, I'm just gonna go, and they. They realize you're such a company person and you're such a solid hand underneath that they're like, well, we're going to throw you some bones here. And those are some pretty, you know, to put, to pull somebody out of a pay-per-view, put you in there just to keep you happy. And then to put you in the rumble and give you 40 minutes, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and here, here comes Barry Horowitz. And I don't know if it was the Survivor Series or if it's here in the rumble where Mr. Perfect, where they kind of discuss here about, what if what if Barry Horowitz won and he went on to main event WrestleMania and Perfect says something along the lines of, "Oh, when you said anything could happen in the World Wrestling Federation, now I know what you mean." <laughs> and it <laughs> kind of just gets over anything can happen. Barry Horowitz here in the in the damn Royal Rumble. All right, you gotta sell it somehow. Like it's not believable. Um, but this is this perfect. is honestly I, though. Like I said, man, Perfect. Oh, go ahead. No, man. No, you go on. I was just going to say, perfect. He does an excellent job all night 
putting almost every single individual over in one way or another. Like, like he lived it and he knows it. So he does an excellent job this whole match putting what's, all these guys over. What's funny is and, Horowitz. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Perfect does. I mean, like, I guess I think this is probably his best night on commentary in the company. I think so too. And it's funny. It's funny because Horowitz has been with the company for years off and on, but uh, more often than not, he's, you know, been on TV and whoa, what a bump triple H selling for the big daddy. Cool. As diesel dumps triple H who actually lasts the longest as he drew number one, he goes out in 48 minutes. So a little longer than Bob Holly, but what I was fixing to say was uh, Horowitz finally gets a real push, you know, going into SummerSlam, and here, here we are, not even you know a half year later, and he's done. This is they're they're basically forcing Horowitz into this match because his push was already over by this point, and they kind of he's just kind of fodder for this match, and pretty much after this, we don't see a whole lot more of Barry Horowitz just here and there doing jobs. Yeah, I mean, obviously. It's not going to blow the socks off anybody, but I think uh, if you go back and watch some of those house shows and things like that, when he's in the opener and he's not like jobber extraordinary, oh, nice drop kick off the middle rope by Sean there. Time to make a difference. Fatu making a difference. But I think uh, if you go back and watch some of those opening matches, I know on the LA show on the network, he's fighting the Blue Blazer. And, um, Right. You can go. Uh, he was very entertaining as a jobber on those house shows where he actually yeah, got time I, to work. I like watching Horowitz in uh, Memphis and in Florida. I liked his brief stint in Global, which was really fun, where he was uh, gimmicking the um, scale so that he could uh, pass off uh, as a junior heavyweight to work or the light heavyweight or whatever the title there. And uh, he be, he won one match because they basically played up the gimmick where he never won a match in the WWF. And he won in global, and he became immediately became the winner, Barry Horowitz. So I've I've always liked Barry Horowitz. And Diesel now we I don't I don't think they ever really crossed paths again. Steve Austin and Kevin Nash really up until the NWO came to the WWF WWE whatever it was at that point. But here we see uh, what could have been. Steve Austin and Diesel in the WWF here way back in 1996. And it's hard to remember that they were even both in the company at the same time because they kind of barely crossed paths. Austin in at the end of December and Diesel gone by by the spring. And Owen Hart meeting up with his uh, nemesis here, Shawn Michaels. He tried to tried to cripple him, uh, according to Owen anyway. Look at this spot. Shawn holding the top rope. Owen trying to suplex him out. Now Shawn going to suplex Oh, they're both going to end up on the apron, aren't they? To quote the gorilla, we're getting down to the nitty gritty, at least in the numbers, not the action. As number twenty-seven getting away, ready to make his way out, and of course, more men have won the with the number twenty-seven than any other number. I don't know if that's still true, but I think it is. I don't know that Doctor Isaac Yankum is going to win the Royal Rumble. Maybe if he had been Kane, it would have lasted a little longer or had a better odds anyway. But Isaac Yankum, pretty much another fodder in this match, uh, just. Oh, Horowitz takes the bump to the floor. He didn't last too long, did he? I think, well, there it is. Boom, and we'll probably get a replay of that, too. Owen Hart busts out the Inziguri, Inziguri, because I'm Jim Ross, the Inziguri to Shawn Michaels in the middle of this match, and that was the move that put Shawn on the shelf for two months. It damn near ended his career, damn near killed him, (laughs) the way they sold it on TV anyway. And Owen going to pitch Shawn out of the match. 
it would seem here. And oop, over the top rope. No, but the camera misses it because they're too busy showing the replay of the Enzigiri. What happened there was Sean put on the brakes and tossed Owen instead. So revenge yeah. from the heartbreak kid who continues to toss everyone out, everyone meaningful out. Yeah, that was a terrible position for that double double feature there because you totally missed what happened. It almost looked like Diesel eliminated Owen Ooh. after Sean dug down. Here we go. Something. Here we go. <laughs> Steve Austin busting well, out the Shawn Michaels pose. I love it. I did too. It was great. Little did we know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Be two years from now. Yeah, it's uh, hard to think that we went from the ringmaster here to what what would become Stone Cold Steve Austin. What are your thoughts on Stone Cold? I know we got we're going to get through that on the Attitude Era, but do you do you have those same sort of I don't know, like I don't know how to word it, but are you a fan? I should say that's probably an easier way to ask. I thought it was probably the best thing they had during that era, probably. And here comes Janetti in uh, different looking tights. I don't really remember, remember seeing Janetti in these before. He might have actually uh, paid for a new pair. Fortunately, that wouldn't last long before he goes back to the old uh, rockers gear with uh, Leaf Cassidy coming in. Marty coming into little fanfare, getting attacked immediately by all the big guys. There's a lot of bigs left in this ring. Yeah, uh, I, I think they did that on purpose, save some of these fodder big guys for the uh the end of the match just to kind of make it look big fatu just super kicking people left and right in this match we're down to two guys left 29 30 we know 30 is the dumpster so the only really unknown unless you remember all 30 guys and you know who's coming out next is uh the number 29 who should be out any minute here now that janetti's in here And we're going to get that epic Marty and Sean showdown. Just we used to get the uh, old Tito and Rick Martel showdown in the Rumble matches. The later years, we get the uh, Sean and Marty stuff. Oh, yeah. And, I always enjoyed it. I, but I was always, it's funny. Oh. I remember in, I think it was high school or middle school, one of those. I was talking to my friend about wrestling. I was like, how come when feuds are over, like every time they get like the World Rumble together, they're going at it? Like the feud's over. But like, like you said, Tito and Martel be World Rumble 91 and they're going at each other or whatever the case yeah. may be. Well, can, can they, those they feuds ever be them. over? Can you ever really end that feud? Can you ever really end uh, when a guy throws your face through a, a friggin' window? I think I'm going to come after him for, for years, I suppose. I think yeah. it was a lot more heated at 94's Rumble. Obviously, Sean's the heel there. Here, they're both baby faces. So we get the fun little spots there, but not a whole lot. Surprised Sean even, Sean even agreed to do a double down with him. I'm, I'm shocked. And 29 is the British Bulldog, which just leaves the dumpster. See how the dumpster fares after he won that uh, spot thanks to the gorilla. 94 was great, man. When they locked in and started throwing right hands at each other. Oh, that was great. Yep. What a spot. 94 is the underrated Royal Rumble, man. Match anyway. Well, what? You don't like watching The Undertaker die and ascend and all that great stuff? I mean, Marty is saying, Wow, look at that. The hell's she wearing? Look at them, too. <laughs> yeah. Was that a classic? Diana <laughs> Smith looking okay wow. in there. That's weird. They hadn't even really shown her up until this point. And Marty Janetti eliminated. I wonder if she just now came out and sat down. 
<laughs> yeah, she's, she wasn't sitting front row for the whole show. That's for sure. No. Keep an eye on Fatu and Steve Austin, guys, but for, for the record, too. And Austin with a headbutt on Fatu there. And just keep an eye on him right here. Austin's going to get up. He's going to catch the ropes. Fatu with the clothesline. And what just happened? What just happened? Fatu eliminated Steve Austin. Fatu eliminated Steve Austin two weeks into his tenure here in the WWF. That's not how you book a guy. Steve, did you know that that was not supposed to happen? Did you go over on accident? Yes. Steve Austin eliminated on accident. He was supposed to hang on and come down to the final three or four guys in the ring. He had spots he was supposed to do with Sean. In fact, I wonder if his spot was Kama's spot here, which would have made sense. Wow. Way yeah, it's, uh, Austin's brought that up in uh, recent podcasts in the last year or so that uh, he screwed up. He, he openly admits, oh, man, I messed up the rumble. They gave me this shot, this opportunity, and I was supposed to grab the ropes. And I don't know if he missed the rope or he slipped the rope or whatever the hell the deal was there. But, yeah, and here comes the dumpster. So, yeah, that's a fun fact that you know Austin himself uh, told that he was supposed to do some shit here at the end with Diesel and, and Sean, and that would have been fun. That would have really gotten him over, made people take notice. Instead, with no fanfare in the background because the camera wasn't ready for it, Austin gets eliminated by Fatu. Wow. <laughs> Definitely not. It doesn't make sense. Oh, Owen that. back. Love it. More angles. Yeah, definitely. These guys can't get enough of each other. No, Owen back no, out after what... being eliminated by Sean, and now Davey and Owen putting the boots to Sean on the floor. I'll go back to I know when Vader eliminated like everybody. I, you're trained to think that because, you know, spots – the few spots that we did get in the rumble was always guys that were eliminated to eliminate someone else. Right. Piper and bad news and mm-hmm. Hogan and Sid and things like that. So you're trained to think, Oh God, like even giant Gonzalez coming out and eliminating the undertaker, a guy that's not even an entrance. So yeah. Vader's cleaning the house. You're just like, well, there goes everybody. <laughs> but, nope. We're all back in. So glad they changed that. And oh, there, there goes Kane. Mayor Kane has been eliminated from the match. Courtesy of Shawn Michaels. I was actually surprised. Oh, there goes the dumpster. So you see how number 30 paid off there. Triple H goes 48 minutes. The dumpster goes a couple minutes. Whatever that was. Two, three minutes. I don't know. A minute and 10 seconds, according to Wikipedia. And we're down to the final four. Diesel, Bulldog, Sean. There goes Sean over the top. He's going to slide back in, I believe, here. There we go. Slides under the Bulldog. And for the second year in a row, Shawn Michaels eliminates the Bulldog from the Rumble match. And that this and is Kama's Bulldog spot here. Last long. And here we go. And Kama, it's, it was odd to see Kama here because he'd already quit the company. Even didn't even do a job on the way out. He had Mo replace him. And there's Diesel. Since Kama to the floor and super kick. Nash turns right into it. And Shawn Michaels. Yes, yes, yes. He's gonna fucking WrestleMania. And Kurt Hennig even selling it. How does he do that? Damn, McMahon. I think there's a Pro Wrestling Illustrated where Kurt Hennig's on the cover and it says, Sean stole my whole career. (laughs) You know what's crazy here is we're only an hour and 58 minutes into this pay-per-view. The pay-per-view is two hours and 49 minutes. That means nearly an hour 
uh, of the nonsense between Brett and the Undertaker. I don't really remember the match being all that good to begin with, but you figure you have to start implementing the entrances and everything else to go. Oh, Diesel's pissed. Oh, oh. what was that, Bulldog? Yeah. yeah, poor Bulldog just gets beat up in the aisleway for just being there at the wrong place at the wrong time. Diesel's like, get out of my like promo that, area. I always felt like that made him look like a bitch. It did. You can't really, it, it did. You can't really believe him after that. No, and that's you, that's what's crazy is I don't know who thought that was a good idea. I don't know if that was just Nash being Nash or what the deal was. Nash. I don't think that was supposed to happen. This Bulldog didn't get out of the way fast enough, and Diesel was pissed. Yeah, Diesel but he was on, he was on the ground, so we would have never even seen him anyway. It's just it's yeah. click being click. Sean doing his little underoos routine in here. I don't need that. So let's get Diesel. Hopefully Diesel comes back in there and jackknifes his ass. <laughs> you see, I, well, we're, I don't, I'm not going to pay attention to Sean stripping, but there was the fan Disgusting. there that said had a sign that said "Good Riddance" and it was Hogan and Savage. <laughs> I saw the Good Riddance. I couldn't make out who was on the poster. So yeah. It's funny when you brought that up. I noticed that too. And here we get a stare down. Diesel's kind of been turning heel, but he hasn't turned his back on Sean just yet. But now Sean's eliminated from the rubble, eliminated him from his chance to go to WrestleMania for the world title. So now he's got to think about it. What are we going to, what's going to happen here? Looks like he's getting ready to lay the, no. I got a question here. Yes, sir. Diesel said he's only going to give people high fives that are wearing a black glove. Where's Sean's black glove? He took it off, man. He's dancing. <laughs> sure. Oh, he doesn't have a glove on. So let's well, that five bucks, Sean. He, he's a click he member. Up. It doesn't count. He gets freebies, huh? You get freebie hand jobs. <laughs> oh, Lord. The stripper gimmick has begun. And. Annoying. High fives all around by the click because when one click member wins, they all win because they, they're in control of the main event scene. And there's Sean super kicking Diesel out and getting the win. So, yeah, I think we saw every single Sean elimination at least twice, except for maybe yep. Isaac Yankum. We didn't get Bulldog either. It was so nice of Sean to let everyone else throw out Duke the Dumpster and Bob Holly and Hakushi and Tatanka, but Sean took, <laughs> took care of all the big names. Yeah, you guys can have yeah, all those guys. I'm, I'm gonna dump out like. Let's uh, do the list here. We got the bulldog. Isaac oh, Gangle, I can't remember Diesel, them all. Owen, Yoko, certainly. Vader. Kid. Kid, yeah. Owen, like you said. Diesel. Every name that meant bulldog, yeah. Royal Rumble was eliminated by Shawn Michaels or the Click. Who this? Uh, it's going to be a tough last fifty minutes of this one. Shawn Michaels picks well, up the win here, and he'll go on to fight either pro- what it looks like to be at this point Bret Hart, who's the current champion, or the Undertaker, and that'll all be decided here in the main event of the Royal Rumble. But I would have much rather seen this close the show. Yeah, it almost makes it feel like his Rumble wins an afterthought. I didn't understand the logic, especially given the finish. Of the main the world title match, I really understood it even less. I don't know if that was Brett politicking. I should go on last because I am the champion. You lousy hyena. <laughs> but oh, I, man. I just that must be a Hart family fame because I'm reading the, the Stampede book, Pride and Passion, and uh, I think Bruce Hart tells a story in there, and he's like, 
they're flocking like a bunch of hyenas. So I'm wondering if it's a well, hyenas are probably prominent up there in uh, the Calgary area. Maybe that's a it's a common thing. Pack of hyenas. Well, when I think of hyenas, <laughs> I think of the uh, Lion King. <laughs> I have I, pack of hyenas, man. I saw laughing hyenas, baby. I thought I thought we would get a video or a promo or something here, but it's it's straight Is to the Undertaker's enough? entrance, huh? Oh, maybe, you know, that's a good call. Maybe they did edit something out there. I'm not sure. It didn't seem like it, but it's possible. It has to be a cut. Sean just all of a sudden just disappears. Oh, is that what, you know, see, I was kind of, I was watching, but I was kind of tuned out at the same time. So. Sean was like going around the crowd and doing all that. They must have cut, but you got the World Rumble Plus at the end of this. So I think that's why it's a little longer time-wise than what uh, the actual match and everything. But yeah, this. 30-minute Undertaker entrance feels like forever. Every Undertaker entrance feels like forever. Some are a little more tolerable than others, but I wasn't a big fan here during this period, and I was so amped up uh, when this match was going to happen. I wasn't really, like, super excited because it was going on last, and like I said, it just pissed me off. Here's the showdown right here. This is the money. You got two seven-foot monsters, main eventers, uh, staring at each other. Oh, Paul Bearer gets shoved by Diesel, who's still at ringside for whatever reason, out there after Sean. Must have been watching Sean's show. And boom, Diesel comes at Taker, and Taker giving it right back. And that's a precursor for things to come as well. I think this elimination at the Rumble, Diesel uh, kind of loses it at that point. If What little bit of baby face he had left in him, he's, he's still friends with Sean tonight. But I think Diesel's, you know, he's kind of lost it, uh, as, as you can tell here. Yeah, he's, he's not looking to be friends anymore with anyone. Yeah, with, yeah, I guess, you know, if you think about it, how could you do the Rumble last if the whole angle was here, like this here? Like if you wanted Diesel to turn, you couldn't really. Obviously, I don't want to spoil anything as far uh, as you could. Finish you it, could but. save this for TV. This isn't a necessity to put this on after the Rumble. I feel the Rumble is more important than this angle right here, at least to me, anyway. Yeah, but if, I mean that's how you have it booked. I guess there's really no other way to do it. It can make yeah. you can make it make sense based off of this. It sucks because, like you said, you're on a high from Sean winning. You're excited for that. It was, it's the Rumble match. Or you love that. It takes all your emotions and your energy. Yeah. Just getting through that match. And then all of a sudden you got Brett and Undertaker, who you know is going to work a kind of a slow, methodical match. It's just not going to live up to the expectations of what. It's it's like Rumble putting Hogan was. and The Rock on before before the last match. It's yeah. You're, you're yeah, done. You're drained. Yeah. And okay, these are two big names, and I no, this was still cool. Like when this happened, I'm like, holy shit, there's more shit going on. The rumble match ended. Now these two are going at it, but this is pretty much where it ends for me. And yeah. that's not, that's and not. I'm not trying to take away from Brett. Brett's gotten some good ma- matches out of a lot of people that didn't have any right getting good matches out of. But I don't remember this one being too fun. Yeah, it's, I don't think they do it again because I, I feel like I think they realized or learned right here that. No matter how great of a title match you have, held by the entrant 10, 11, it's going to be forgotten about. You know, So you might as well just put the Rumble on last and be done with it. I think you know there are other uh, 
Rumbles, though, where they do put the world title on last again. So it's... Um, 98. 98 is one of them. The casket match. Yeah. So maybe that's... I don't know. I, I don't like it. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan. The whole show should be built around the Rumble. That's my belief anyway. Yeah, the, these three. 97 is, too. Sid and Sean. Yeah, I remember they did it for a little window of time. And then when they went back sure. to the way it was supposed to be, I was happy. Because, like, if you look at it, like, these matches, I mean, they're probably decent to a degree, but... Right. Like, if you go to the Royal Rumble 2000, I love the street fight with Cactus and Triple H. But no matter how great that match was, it it still has its place, and you still enjoy it, but you also get the Royal Rumble right afterwards. So, um, I didn't... You always can get excited for the Rumble, so no matter how much, how emotional or whatever the match is... You still have some left for the Rumble always. That's always the thing. So, And, hey, think- guys, shame on me uh, for never giving a timestamp during this show, but it's just been boom, boom. There's no downtime on this show at this point. So now that we finally have some going into the world title match, uh, let me just give everybody a quick timestamp real quick. We're at two hours, seven minutes, and 29, 30, 31, 32 seconds. And Brett giving his glass out to that fan. There's a Shawn Michaels all-over shirt in the crowd, too. There it is. That's the money right there. Who would have thought that shirt's 500 bucks now or whatever the case may be? I wish I had thought that. I wouldn't have ripped the damn sleeves off of it when I was a teenager. You know the white Bret Hart shirt with uh, the pink lettering that says Bret Hart like all over it and then his face is on the cover? Or yeah, on it? yeah, yeah. I've seen somebody on Facebook selling it, and it has like a little rip in the sleet in the in the pit area, and it looks a little worn. But he wants like four fifty for it, and I'm just like, my god, it's the wow. original tag, man. For a friggin' t-shirt, man, unbelievable. Yeah, tell me about it. Taker trying to strike quick, a little faster than usual here in the Bret Hart match. And Undertaker, uh, this is another one of those people always think about the Undertaker reinventing himself, going from the dead man to the biker. Back to the dead man. He even did the little devil gimmick there during the Attitude Era. They don't re- really realize, though, the evolution of the character during the dead man gimmick. He started doing more wrestling holds here in 96. The the Mankind stuff really got him going, to be honest with you, as far as actually picking up the pace in the ring and doing new moves and things. But let's not forget, go back to Mark Callis and, and in the NWA and things. He was capable of doing a lot more than he ever did here in the WWF. Just think about when he first debuted as The Undertaker, some of the things he was doing, the nimble things he was doing, jumping over the top rope and all these things a guy that size doesn't necessarily need to do to get over. And obviously it was quick quick for Vince to to tell him that. Yeah. I think it's the match with what, Tugboat? Isn't there a match with Tugboat where he's just, he's kind of flying all over the ring? Yeah. Sadly, Tugboat was the first guy The Undertaker was paired with. Uh, on the on the house shows, so <laughs> he, he had, that's how well, he got broken in. And if you uh, watch the early WrestleMania seven um, event or if not event centers, the uh, reports that was the match, the WrestleMania seven oh. match, Tugboat and the Undertaker. And after like a week or so, it got changed to Jimmy Snuka. So they were actually doing that match in preparation for WrestleMania, and instead, I think we actually end up getting it on the March to WrestleMania. Yeah, that's the one I remember. And Taker's flying all over the place there, doing doing all sorts of stuff. Where he, he's doing a lot of his Mark Callis uh, moves from the NWA, 
he hadn't quite slowed down just yet. And uh, you know, I know he likes to talk about it. He's like, I'm slow, methodical, and then all of a sudden, the bam, a burst of energy. And this throws everybody off guard because you're not expecting it from somebody like me. So it was kind of easy for him uh, as far as working because when you're working so slow, <laughs> when you do one thing fast, it's going to stick out. So um, he had it made. It's just, yeah, it's crazy to think of all the injuries gimmick. he's suffered, and he spent a lot of his early years in, in the WWF anyway, not really having to do a whole lot in the ring. I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to take away from him. That's just what the character called for. Uh, clearly, he was yeah. capable of doing more than some of the other guys. Certainly, a lot more than Kevin Nash could do physically. But he didn't. Yeah, he just he didn't have to do it. I think he even said that in his Broken Skull sessions, where he was talking about how. He wanted to go out there and fly around and show everybody what I can do and how athletic I am. And it took him quite a bit of time to accept the fact that he's not going to be that guy. Yeah, um, and the character got it. Oh, he got he got the character over because he was so good at the character. But just think, and it would have been a completely different dynamic. And I don't even know if it would have gotten over as long because he would have got over like hell if he could have continued working that style as the Undertaker. But I don't know oh, yeah. that the character itself would have stayed over as long. It was, it was, I don't think so either. When he started busting all of this stuff out in 96 and beyond, it was like, holy shit, I forgot he can do this, or holy shit, he can do this. And, you, right. you know, it's, it's a whole new dynamic. So he spent years not having to do a whole lot, and he got the character over, and then he had to, he start, started wrestling and, you know, evolving. So the character evolved even while it was the dead man. And this is the old masked phase where he had uh, suffered a broken orbital bone at the hands of Mabel. And came back at the Survivor Series with this mask on. I believe it's during this mask that he loses a match that he loses the mask. I think Brett rips it off at some point. I think yeah. this is the match. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It's crazy to think. Uh, like you said, I think he had to develop the character and get it over as strong as he did before he could open it up to other things besides this. You know, besides old school, like right. And by the t by the time he was. Uh, you know, when he came back as the dead man, <laughs> it was well past getting over. It was, uh, he could do whatever he wanted and they're going to buy it. It didn't matter. So, um, but thankfully mankind comes in because he kind of saved the day for Undertaker. Uh, cause he, it opened him up to a whole new world of, you know, violence, and brawls and everything else. And I think it's, uh, it really helped. Because yeah. he was kind of getting stale here, and he was working all these monsters. And well, that's what I was going to say. What a really year working. he had, and I don't mean that in a good way. Uh, in 1995, he basically chased his urn around for the duration of 1995, working the likes of IRS, King Kong Bundy, uh, Mabel, Kama. Kama. Uh, yeah, I you know not a fun year. <laughs> that's you're not going to get a good. I'm not going to take away from Mike Rotunda's technical skills. And we've seen Rotunda, at least back prior to the IRS character, have some good matches. He can have a decent match. But as the IRS character, I don't know that I ever once uttered the sentence, man, that was a great IRS match. And I, <laughs> I think I've told you this before, Maybe but growing up, growing up me, and, me, me and my family members that I watched wrestling with, we would always joke like, uh, what's the worst match that you could book? And it, was, it always involved IRS. And it was either IRS and Babyface Doink or IRS and Bob Backlund, or a triple threat between the three. 
Those were the names that were on the Bret Hart with a dive to the floor on the taker. But yeah, it's uh he had a rough year and he always got thrown into those lumped into those matches with the big guys too, Giant Gonzalez and Kamala and things. He wasn't going to have a hell of a match with any of these guys. And so no. uh, I think it was just there to help him put the gimmick over. And like I wonder if I wonder if any of this I wonder if any of this 96 booking was the Undertaker or if it was just it just worked out this way because he gets gifted Bret Hart to begin the year. Uh, Diesel basically falls in his lap because he's on his way out to WCW, and then uh, and then he gets Mick Foley basically the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Get the executioner too, <laughs> Terry Gordy, baby. <laughs> That's right. So, Boy, that was that was a weird right one. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to get to that one. But uh, no, yeah, I'm with you, man. He he got lucky in this year. He's like, finally something where I can actually work and move around and not be stuck <laughs> with a lumbering guy that I can't even pick up and stuff like that. Like you're basically limiting. Right. <laughs> He's gone almost all of 94. And then 93 spent the whole year feuding with giant Gonzalez. Very few people are going to survive that. I mean, you, if he wasn't so oh, strong yeah. when he came in doing giant Gonzalez and then being gone, would he killed most people. And then you come back and you're just stuck with these guys all of 95. Boom, boot to the face of Brett there on the floor. Yeah, I, I, this is really his first real wrestling match, the first real uh, wrestling opponent that can, you can really work with and, and have a decent match that I can think of off the top of my head anyway. Been a long time. Yeah. And he's working over Brett here on the floor, and like I said, the Diesel stuff just kind of fell in his lap. Uh, it's D- Diesel was getting ready to go to WCW, and by WrestleMania, it was clear who was going to co- go over. But I was actually shocked that Diesel stuck around. Now, Taker is kind of starting to get a little plotting on the outside. Maybe we get the action back in the ring. No, not quite yet. Brett, oh, nice bump by Taker over the, over the steps to the, to the floor out there. So Brett giving it right back on the outside. That was a nice bump by Taker. He really probably never left his feet like that except for when he was delivering the clothesline. So it was always interesting to see Brett work these big guys and take them down to his size, so to speak. Diesel and Undertaker and really even Yokozuna when Yokozuna could go. Brett really could work with anyone, and I'll give him credit. Like I wasn't a giant Bret Hart fan like a lot of other people are. I love the Hart Foundation. I love that era, Bret. Uh, when he, I hated that he beat Mr. Perp for the Intercontinental title, so I was never going to like him for that. But I, I absolutely knew that he was absolutely at the level of the guys he was working during that period, the Roddy Pipers and the Bulldogs and semi-main event level. When he won the world title, I, I kind of said, really, Bret Hart? Like it was just a shock because he hadn't been pushed as a main eventer ever in his uh, career at that point in the WWF, but it worked out and he got over and obviously all the shenanigans happened with Yoko and then and, and to Hogan in 93 and kind of set Brett back as far as that goes, but he's still him and Lawler still were the most entertaining thing probably on the TV during that run. So he worked, worked with a little bit of everybody. And here, you talk about Undertaker's 95 and the big guys and the lazy, lame guys he had to work too. Brett spent most of the year 
waiting for this put this main event push again. He he worked with the underneath guys, trying to get him over or have good matches with him. Worked with Hakushi, of course Lawler again, but he also worked with uh, Jean Pierre Lafitte on an In Your House. He worked with Isaac Yankum, tried to help get Yankum over a little bit there. Of course that didn't really work out, but it's not like a wrestling dentist is going to get over. And Brett going to the leg of the Undertaker, which makes sense. And Taker being forced to sell a ligament. That's another new facet of the Undertaker's career, actually selling body parts. Though up until now, what's that? I was going to say, I bet you both of these guys are happy to see each other on <laughs> January 21st. I'll tell you that. Breath of fresh air for both of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least Brett's back in the main event picture. He gets the world title and the Undertaker. Neither of these guys, I don't think in 95, were either one of them saw the main event picture. Brett, not until Survivor Series anyway. Yeah. Well, he was at the Rumble. They had the Rumble match. Right. Okay, yeah. Diesel, Diesel yeah. But yeah, it was, he started in the main event and <laughs> shit. All Bob Backlund at WrestleMania. and. <laughs> Whew. What a train. I'm glad we missed that, you know, on the Monday Warfare show. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm glad we missed a lot of things in 1995 on the Monday Warfare show. In fact, Both like I said before, if the Monday Warfare show had to start in the beginning of 95, I don't know if I could have ever made it. I don't think so either. I think this the fate and the way things work, it was almost a perfect time for Nitro to debut because it, it kind of woke up a sleeping giant. I know it took a while. It took a while for sure. But going into 96, I feel like WWF is making a turn and they're, they're changing some things up and they're forced to do some things. So Yeah, there's certainly things on up. the cards still that aren't exactly great. Like the tag division never really gets going, if you ask me. And there's some other things oh. too, but there's always going to be a couple of decent matches on the show now. And you didn't always get to say that before. Yeah, and uh, characters are coming and going. People are coming and going more edgy things like that you can see it coming uh, it takes a while to fully get there but <laughs> you gotta be careful what you wish for uh, it makes you wonder if, if everything would have happened the way it did if let's say nitro was on tuesday night or wednesday night or something like that like not necessarily going head to head but a primetime show that are going against each other weekly just makes you wonder if Vince would have really pulled out all the stops that he did if they weren't going head-to-head. Yeah, and Bret Hart's working the leg of Taker here. He's got the figure four on him. Undertaker, it's so odd seeing the Undertaker try to reverse a figure four. <laughs> it's crazy watching him turn over a figure four spot here. And now Bret's the one in pain. The power of the urn, baby, it's back. It took a year. It took about a year, but he got it back. And clearly, they've melted the chain down and made it back into an urn. So, how do you like that, right. comma? And thank God yeah, that urn, urn chase nonsense is over with. Right. I think it's pretty much over for good after a SummerSlam. What's that? The urn chase. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. Well, I mean, maybe until later years. Yeah, I remember later years, so <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's done for good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Brett going to stick on the taker's leg. I don't know if that's going to make for much of a fun match. The The beginning wasn't too bad. The stuff on the outside was uh, pretty solid, but now we're into this legwork stuff, and that works with some guys. I don't know 
The Undertaker is not capable, the character is incapable of selling it to the level you really need to sell it, like showing actual pain. Like that figure four there, a lot of that spot was just the Undertaker laying there. He would flail his arms every once in a while to try to get some momentum, but without really being able to sell it. It's, right. It just feels like you're just laying there doing nothing. And that's not his fault. That's his character. It's what, what are you going to do? You can't, can't, can't change your character at this point. So, right. Unless you turn into the the badass gimmick, which was was that was a breath of fresh air too. You can seem sell and be normal a little bit, yeah. but uh, not here. So now they haven't even like removed like the uh, the mask in this match yet either. Taker's still rocking the mask. So on top of the not not really moving around too much, his physical his body you can't really still see his face sell either. He's got the mask on right now. This crowd's dead too. Yeah, they're, that, they're they're drained. Yeah, the crowd's not moving, and you know it's not because these two aren't over. It's just because where they're positioned on the card, and probably a little bit of this leg lock shit here too. It's not doing yeah, them any favors. Doing no favors. Yeah, that's doing no favors for this crowd right now. There he goes. He's going for the mask now. We're trying to anyway. We're getting a little nasty. Uh, you was talking about Brett there a little bit ago. Uh, 92. 92 is such a weird year. <laughs> Just right. nothing makes sense for the most part. But I, I started watching wrestling like every week. 93, first episode of Raw. Whatever reason, I, I didn't really watch a lot of wrestling. I knew about it and I talked about it all the time. And I, I rented the tapes leading up to that. But consistently watching week over week, it was always Raw. And that was pretty much all I watched. But um, So Brett, being the champion at the time, and I remember getting all the pay-per-views. The first one I got that I I remember uh, WrestleMania Seven getting it, but the start of my fandom started at Royal Rumble '93. So him in the main event with Razor and stuff like that. He just he was the champion. He was the top guy, and I just got hooked. And I've been a fan ever since. So I'm one of those Bret Hart fans. <laughs> but it's just the timing of it all. I think it, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered who the champion was at that time. I think that's who I'd have been a fan of just because you like the top guy, especially when he's a face, a good guy. Right. So um, I, it just happened to be Brett. And so that's who my guy is. I, I've always been a fan. And uh, I think you was Sean, I was Brett. So <laughs> I'm not surprised we, we have some differences sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's all good. And uh, But I can respect anybody. I, if I don't care if I like you or not. Man, you know. These guys put in the work and they deserve everything they got they got at the in this business because they put in the effort. So I may not like Shawn Michaels the person, but the wrestler is damn, really entertaining. And uh I think that's what kind of separates some people from others, you know, like we can look past all the stupid shit and just say, you know what? This dude's a great wrestler. Uh, I'm entertained by a Bret Hart match or I'm entertained by a Shawn Michaels match. So yeah. not everybody yeah. can do that. Yeah, there's very few people that I can't enjoy, uh, even if I'm not a big fan of their character or whatever. Uh, like I said, I never really, I was never really anti Bret Hart, I don't think at any point, but I just, there were points where I'm like, he's like eighth on my list or something, you know, the guys I want to watch right now. And, and then he put on a classic, and like, damn. That was a good match. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that was a good match. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Holy I shit, love- Diesel had a good match. You know, so. Right. I love that match with Jean-Pierre Lafitte. That's one of my favorites. 
Taker getting a little nasty himself, going to get the uh, camera cable, going to wrap it around the throat. I don't think that's how you win a world title, uh, Taker. I could disqualify there. Yeah. The ref's going to be lenient. The title's on the line. Oh, uh, Paul, Paul Bearer Bear. is distracting Earl Hebner. Oh, a little bit of heel work there. Paul Bearer. Right. I'll take it. Yeah, this is not the match you want to put on after the Rumble. Like, like I said, it's a slow plotting match. It's not a bad match. <laughs> oh, Brett over the, t- <laughs> the timekeeper table there. It's just, man, I'm dead after the Rumble. Even now, I'm yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it's like this is like extra shit that's not even on the same card. It's like this, it, you watch an old tape and you watch the pay-per-view and then you watch the shit that you know somebody recorded after the pay-per-view. <laughs> that's right. what this feels like right now. Just some <laughs> random... Shit, that's on at the end of the tape. Oh, Hayabusa match. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, <I'll watch> <laughs> yeah I think I had a, uh, I had a, uh, what was it? Survivor Series 91. I think the first match got clipped or something on my tape. Something happened to it. But after that, it was Wrestle War 90, Wild Thing. And I always watch Survivor Series and then stick around. And what's funny is I think it, the Survivor Series recorded over the Wrestle War because it picks up. At the, uh, I think it's the Midnight to the Rock and Roll Express. They have a match, right? Uh, I don't remember what pay-per-view, but I know they have a match in 90, yeah. It, it might have even been... Um, Had to be before the badge, because Midnight's worked the Southern Boys. I'm not trying to get away from what we're watching right here, but yeah. I think it's actually, you know what? It actually starts with the Freebirds of all teams. Oh, I think man. it's Pillman uh, and Z-Man. Lucky you. That's where it picks up. And then it cuts off like... 10 minutes before the show's ends. So I don't even get to finish this Luger and Flair. Uh, I kind of wish we weren't getting the finish to this one at this point, to be honest with you. Jeez, oh man, these guys just... Who gave these guys 30 fucking minutes? I don't know. It almost uh, You almost wish they gave him like no DQ or something, because that's really what I worked. Think, yeah, and that's what worked Diesel for Diesel and, yeah, Diesel and Brett. I think they didn't want to overkill that and keep, keep giving Brett these, these gimmick matches. But really, they kind of play outside the rules anyway, as best they can, while not getting disqualified here. Brett, right now, just rock and take her against the post there. Like you said, it's weird seeing Undertaker sell. Yeah. He's used to brawls and fights and things like that, but he's actually working a wrestling match. And again, it's not bad. It's just. Oh, it's bad, Steve. These leg locks are bad anyway. Maybe not everything else. No, Brett is working the leg. Tommy Rich uses an arm bar. Completely different. Different limb, that's about it. Well, Brett also is applying several different leg locks, not one long yeah. arm bar. And doing other things to work the leg, but yeah, this is... This is yeah, I got, I got to go back to what you said. Look at the crowd right now. Look in the background. The crowd is not moving. They're, Looks like they're falling asleep. They're drained. <laughs> Uh, those people are leaving. They're like, I'm, I'm done. Think about how excited the crowd was during the there Rumble are. match. That was just, you know, not even 30 minutes ago or whatever. That when Sean won, the, the the noise the crowd was making even then, at the end of the Rumble match. And he- count. just start counting. Look how many people have their arms crossed and just talking to their kids or whatever. There's yeah, like no, six no, people no cell phones here really in 1997. Well, the cell phone existed, but you weren't using it unless you had a lot of money. Because right. per minute, oh, my God. Sure weren't using it at a wrestling show. Yeah, no. <laughs> there's 
Taker, yeah, he's still got the mask on, and he's driving the, the mask into the face of Brett, looks like, right there. There's that big F you to Hogan. Undertaker drops the leg. Not even selling the leg here and drops a leg. Come on, Taker. Stick with the storyline. There's even a Bret Hart fan, you know, dead center right there, and she's not even doing anything. She's a kid. So Well, there's not much to do right here. I mean, it's just they, there's not a whole lot going on, and it goes on over too long. And, yeah, again, it makes you question. I mean, other than that whole Diesel and Taker confrontation situation, which could have worked into TV tomorrow, yeah. I don't know the necessity of it being here on the pay-per-view. I mean, it looked cool, but it wasn't necessary for, you know, on the pay-per-view. I just don't get why the Rumble wasn't last. It's mind-boggling. I don't know if that was a Brett thing. Like I said, I don't know if Brett was like, he, I'm, I'm the champion. I should go on last. I don't really know. My match, my match against the taker should go on last. <laughs> I don't know, man. I could see him trying to get one up on Sean, but by this point, they don't really have any heat. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's had anything to do with Sean. I think it's just Brett. One. <laughs> I'm talking like this really happened. I don't know if it did, but uh, knowing right, right. Brett, it's very possible. Bret Hart rocking a DDT. Oh, I thought Brett was going to do a kip up there. I was like, get this shit out of here. But now he, he back rolled over on top of Taker for a two count. Yeah, it looked like he was trying, looking like he was going to try to kip up. I'm like, get the hell out of here. He can do it. Uh, I've never seen him do it. He's never done it? I, I don't I have. I have no idea. Twice. I have no idea. But there's the uh, beginning of the five moves yeah. of doom. Taker no, sits up from the... Line. From the well, maybe, maybe back then, Taker sits up from the leg sweep. So let's see how many more times he sits up from these five moves of doom. You know, it's funny, like the, tying this into current current product. Vince, the, like I think Meltzer's been on the record saying it now recently that whatever ratings are bad, Vince goes to the monsters because that's what he knows. And it's kind of funny, you know. Ninety-five kind of was in the tank. They're going against Nitro. And all of a sudden, you got Undertaker and Diesel squaring off with each other. So he, he's going to the monsters. And um, I almost feel I'm like that's why '95 was the failure. It's because he went to the monsters. He went to Mabel, and put him with Diesel, and, and that didn't work out. And I don't oh. know. I mean, you could you could argue both ways, I guess. <laughs> that was great. That yeah, was great. That was really good. Was Brett, cool. Brett goes up for his elbow, and Taker starts to sit up, and Brett gets down, but Taker falls back down. So Brett jumps back up and hits the elbow anyway and gives the yeah, thumbs he looked, down. He looked deflated, too. He looked deflated, too. Like, man, come on, stay down. <laughs> yeah, Taker was like, all right, I'll sell for you. All right. <laughs> Hit the spot. Let's go into the finish here or something, which they're not. No. <laughs> we got another 10 minutes of this. Oh, man, at least. There's 16 minutes left in the show. Well, you got a little plus coming. Oh, so is that on here? Five minutes. See, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I didn't pay for the Royal Rumble Plus. So whatever that was on Directv or something. The Encore. Did the Encore? Well, no, no. The, you're right. The pluses. The pluses were free. I was thinking of the Roddy Piper era with the. Uh, no, no, no. With the Encore encores. Plus. No, no. Right, the Royal no, Rumble no. Plus is like. Right. We have an extra, and I, we have like five extra minutes of the show. Let's yep. make it look like it, we're staying long. Yeah, and I hadn't, I hadn't seen that in so long. I totally forgot until you brought that. I'm like, holy shit, that was a thing. That was another well, thing they just uh, house, right? started right around this period. They did it in your house with the Taker Diesel. Yeah, in the back. Yeah, I think it was the first time we ever yeah. saw it. 
Yeah, I think so too. So we got that. So that's the saving grace here. We don't have 16 minutes left of this match. Thank God. Brett's going to his trusty corner post there where he always yeah. likes to take the turnbuckle off. So we talked about this being not a no DQ match, but they've used cable cords and ring posts and steel steps. And now Brett just, and that's another funny thing. We saw Paul Bear distract Earl Hebner earlier so the Undertaker could choke Brett with the cable. And now Brett goes over and removes the turnbuckle. So both guys are resorting to heel tactics, whatever it takes, so to speak, to keep the championship belt. And and now I think the the mask mask comes off right there. Brett doesn't like what he sees. Sees the Undertaker. Put it back on. He should have handed it back to him. Put it back on. (laughs) Sure, Taker was happy to get rid of that thing. You look like a lousy hyena. And <laughs> take a reverses. You need to cool it on the hyenas, man. We're going to hear that almost every Raw. I know. I know. Uh, well, whenever, <laughs> whenever me and my my familia used to mock Brett, that was our go-to word. So, And boom, it still is between me and my brother. And take her into the exposed steel. And I, I don't see how Hebner doesn't see this. He's actually pointing at it, so he does see it. He's just letting it fly. Oh, it's the Undertaker. He can take at least two of those. He doesn't know what happened to the turnbuckle pad. Yeah, he but you can't use it. it but you can't use it. Brett knowingly I guess. used it. Cheating. Damn it. Damn it, Hitman. <laughs> Lousy cheating hyena. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at least they're not on the ground with leg locks anymore. At least we're on at least we're on vertical base here. At least we got some action. Uh oh, Taker's looking for the tombs. Wow, that was really fast. The way he got him into that. And boom. Just like that out of nowhere. No real comeback, no really big flashy anything. Just catches Brett and the crowd's looking. The crowd moves for the first time in twenty minutes. At least. And oh, he goes for the cover. One, two, and Diesel shows up and yanks Earl Hebner out to the floor. You motherfucker. You made me watch this shit for 30 minutes. You could have ran in 28 minutes ago, you piece of shit. Leave it to Kevin Nash. Is the ref already up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got to disqualify. Yeah, he's over there. I. I... <laughs> There's a dude in the front row that was so pissed off that Nash came out because Taker should have won. So explain to me how that's a disqualification. Diesel came in and grabbed the referee and threw him out. He didn't touch anyone. So who did he really, you know, interfere on the behalf of? Isn't I mean, technically, is that what they do? I don't know. I was thinking it was a DQ oh and Taker gets the win here. My guess was he's. Walk- I'm not here. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. No, I'm not even going to talk about it. I don't know if you've seen the sign of the kid walking through the crowd, but uh, <laughs> tell me, say they definitely were confisc- they definitely were not confiscating signs back in '96. And Diesel gives the bird. Here we go, it's and on. literally an fu to the Undertaker, and that'll set up WrestleMania. And here comes Taker right out after he just cost the Undertaker. I don't know how he cost the Undertaker the title. I mean. He- Cost the three count, but I don't. I still don't, I don't understand the finish because that is the Undertaker going over by disqualification. So I guess you could argue it was because he 
stop the referee from making the three count, but at the same time, he never really attacked either guy. He never really showed a side, so to speak, even though he kind of did. So Hebner should have let the match keep going. If he let the match go after all the cheating and bullshit that was going on, that shouldn't have stopped it. Wasn't it just a year ago that we had blatant interference from several wrestlers and they kept continuing the match? And here Diesel pulls on Hebner and the match is over. And maybe this was Earl like screw jobbing the Undertaker and helping Brett out. So it's that way we make up for when he screws Brett over a couple of years from now. <laughs> oh, man. Long term booking, buddy. Yeah. But not. It was I'm me. Not, uh, it was me all along. How did you like Austin Theory busting that line out, huh? I read about it. Just didn't see all- it. <laughs> yeah, I no, I thought I thought it was funny. You know what? I did. Did I see that? Did I flip past there and happen to hear it when he said it? What's that? Wasn't it War Games? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And here you go. Here's your Royal Rumble Plus. So we cut away there. Vince was like, "Get it off this shit as fast as you can." What we got here? I'll listen to Gorilla here for a minute. Uh, first of all, I just want to reflect a little bit on tonight. What a tremendous event this Royal Rumble was. Well, you certainly just, were busy. Well, President's job never ends. However, I have sanctioned the feature match. It'll be a World Wrestling Federation title defense by the current reigning champion, the excellence of execution, Bret the Hitman Hart. He will face the man that he took the WWF title from at Survivor Series, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, who is now the number one challenger. What Diesel, a match that's going to be. Diesel and the Hitman, February in your house. Absolutely. Boy, what a matchup it's going to be. This is the WWF Royal Rumble Plus. We understand standing by Doc Hendricks with the winner of the 1996 WWF Royal Rumble, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Thanks, Todd. I'll tell you, I'm standing here with the one, the only, the charismatic Shawn Michaels. Congratulations. A lot of tense moments, but Shawn, the one goal that has eluded you is one step closer. I've completed phase one. The heartbreak kid and his click. You know, back in medieval days, back when the dinosaurs were running around, lots of stuff used to run wild, but that don't happen anymore. The coolness of the click is going to run, not wild, but rampant in the 90s. HBK had... Uh, we don't need to hear Sean every, every word of Sean here, but, you know, he's not going to run wild like Hogan. Obviously another jab at the Hulkamania there, Steve. Yeah, in ancient or medieval times, is that what he said? <laughs> when dinosaurs ran wild well you know that oh, might, might play into medieval times because wasn't Hogan wearing a mask and all that sword shit and everything a few months ago oh lord don't remind me I try oh. to forget that stuff and <laughs> I'm telling you guys these are great these uh, pay-per-views that we do and hope you, hopefully you guys stuck around for this and it's not even over yet we still got a few minutes left in the pay-per-view itself but um, hopefully you guys really enjoyed this watch along we do i know we've been doing the 89 the nwa 89 watch alongs but this is kind of a a different year a different era a different promotion we've never done the wwf on the grenade yet anyway up until now so this is kind of a different look at what we do and and things of that nature and really ties in to the monday warfare show really encourage everybody to go start listening to monday warfare the battles within because like i said we talk about all the raws all the nitros all the backstage bullshit the politics and everything going on behind the scenes, as well as everything on TV, and of course those ratings. So we do all of that, and then as a side piece, great complimentary piece, we cover all the pay-per-views, all the watch-alongs on the pay-per-views are, are on the patreon.com slash WrestleCopia for only $5 a month. 
and Todd Pettengill back with the gorilla here. Let's uh, let's pick this one up. Who he's going to be facing. Right. You know, but whomever the champion is at WrestleMania, Sean will get his chance to become what he's always wanted to be, the World Wrestling Federation champion. There's no question about it. It's going to be an awesome matchup, that's for sure. You know, they in said your... he wouldn't be back. That's right. Well, he's back and back 100%. <laughs> it's the WWF Royal Rumble Plus. What's going on in the World Wrestling Federation? Certainly an awesome night here. A number of surprises. Interim President Gorilla Monsoon getting involved. and Make the match. But I tell you one thing, Gorilla Monsoon. It'll be a cold day in hell before Diesel ever wears the world title of the World Wrestling Federation. Well, obviously you're very upset. And I referenced that. I don't know if you remember back when we did the In Your House 95. The promo yeah, where the Undertaker... cage match? What's that? The match? Is this where he turns into a cage right there? Let's pick up Gorilla again real quick. Sure in a 15-foot high steel cage. That way nobody can get out and nobody can get in and we'll have a winner. The steel cage match is now set for In Your House. It is official. Let's go over to Doc with Big Daddy Cool. Big Daddy Cool Diesel, what a statement there by The Undertaker. We've just found out that you will meet Bret Hart. You get your return match for the title. I guess you heard it. The Undertaker said... First off, shut up for a minute, all right? Okay, first off... (laughs) Well, that was a shoot. Nash telling Michael Hayes to shut up. Thank you, Kevin Nash. I've been wanting to say that for 19 episodes on the grenade. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever thanked Kevin Nash before, but I'll I'll thank him this time. Anyway, that was really nice. Just kind of shuts shuts Michael Hayes up right there. And so we're already setting up matches for the next pay-per-view. Doing a great job. They did that last month, and they're doing it again here. Yeah, They've been doing that for a few months, honestly. We're, we're kind of learning the, the next pay-per-view main event before the, paper, the pay-per-view we're watching right now ends. So they've been doing that for a few months now, honestly. Yeah, and it's a great way to, you know, you don't have to wait till TV or anything like that. You can use these, this extra time to push your next card, and that's kind of what they're doing here. This is like the post-show where you're, the show's already over, but so it's on to the next one. Yeah, they're selling the next pay-per-view. This is far more inter- – just watching this closing is far more entertaining than the actual match we, we just watched. And I hope you guys out there listening had more fun than the fans were having during that Undertaker and Bret Hart match. I hope we <laughs> kept you guys uh, at least entertained and you guys were listening to us. And <laughs> yeah, it's a snoozer. But it, it, I, it, putting on last did no favors for anybody. I, I, wouldn't be mad, I wouldn't be mad with this match if I knew – the rumble was next. If they had right. that match, and- I would have just been like, "All right, let's get through this. Let's get to where what I'm wait what I'm waiting here for." But yeah, yeah, they they did yeah. what they did. But they, I love that Undertaker promo because that was the one I referenced when we were watching in your house over on Patreon. He kind of breaks character there. That when he first starts talking, you can kind of hear that act that Texas accent. He's talking faster. It's not in the deeper voice. And then as he gets in the middle of the sin, well, let me tell you one thing, Gorilla Monsoon. And it just kind of morphs over into the Undertaker voice there. And I've always thought that was funny. <laughs> Diesel, I love that promo by Diesel. Oh, uh, there's that Royal Rumble 96 program up there in the locker. Oh. That's a doozy right there. Ninety, About 600 bucks for that wow. one. Vader, here we go. Yeah, Vader oh, pissed. Dude. Vader is not happy. Yeah, I'm not happy. Talking title matches. You can't ignore him. 
You can't stop him. You can't defeat him. And you can't, under any circumstances, overlook him. From now till the end of time, it is Vader time. Folks, let's take a look back at the awesome Royal Rumble. Yeah, the pay-per-view was moving along great. It almost felt like night and day. Like, do you remember all the way back to the Ahmed Jeff Jarrett match? It almost feels like a different pay-per-view all that long ago yeah. when, the, when the show first started. And there it is again. Boom, guitar over the head. But there was nothing bad on the show. Some of it just, eh. A lot of disqualifications, though. If you count the, uh, the pre-show match and the Jarrett match, you basically opened and closed the pay-per-view with a disqualification. I don't know if that was the best booking in the world. We get a lot of Sonny's ass, which is always a good thing. Yeah, can't so, can't beat that. Marlena's here. Marlena's made her way in, and Goldust feeling up the the bad guy, and Razor smacks his ass. Well, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I love how they put all the spots that Razor probably didn't want to do in the <laughs> recap. <laughs> Very prominent in the uh, closing video. I loved when they did this, and I don't know if this would work nowadays because you know I'm not invested in the show nowadays, but. Back then when they started showing these uh, post-show videos highlighting some of the more memorable stuff, just like this Rumble stuff here. There's the j- there's the snake. There's the slop. Oh, yeah. And- dude, dude, I love this. I hate it. I hated it when my tapes cut off at the end. I remember, <laughs> uh, like, I'm 92. I, I love the original. I love the 92 uh, Rumble music. Oh, yeah. When they play that music to all the highlights and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. They're hitting every spot here. Poor Doug Gilbert. (laughs) They're hitting every spot here. The Vader debut, Razor chasing the kid. Poor squat team taking it to the face. (laughs) Squat. Go Savage. You know, Vader's last guy you hear talk. Vader dominates the Rumble highlights until Sean happens. Yeah, I like how Sean dumps Vader and Yoko, and then the camera changes. (laughs) The video changes. I hated the fact that, you know, Sean, I get it, he's back and everything, but to show no effects of a possible career-ending injury, uh, especially after that dump over the top rope, you figured he would make himself look weaker and worn out and hurt, but he never lost it, this entire match, and that, that to me, kind of bugged me. I don't think I was over. thinking anything like, like that. I mean, I, if I'm somebody's going to be in the match, I want them to perform <laughs> instead of just lay around uh, selling. I get, I get that, but man, to have the position as if his career is pretty much over, and then all of a sudden he's invincible. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of you know some of the eliminations and things, but I, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was a fun Royal Rumble, great, great booking oh, yeah. throughout the the entire love- Rumble as far as the spots and things. Very different, very t- turn the corner, and the way the Rumble would be booked moving forwards. Absolutely. And that- that wraps up the pay-per-view, guys. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. and It was real fun throwing the free-for-all in there. We'd never really added a pre-show before. And, of course, the very first free-for-all with an actual match involved. Yeah, it was just a really fun uh, episode of The Grenade. It's hard thinking that the Royal Rumble 96 is on The Grenade. It's going to stick out like a sore thumb, but I mean, that's probably the wrong word to use because it's in a good way. It's something different. Make sure you guys yeah. go go tell everybody who hasn't listened to the Grenade yet. Maybe people who don't know a whole lot about the NWA or 1989. Maybe they do remember the Monday Night War era. Maybe they'd really get a kick out of the Royal Rumble 96 show here. This is just some of the stuff that we do on our Patreon account. The all-access tier. Go on over there. $5 a month. Subscribe. You can cancel at any time. I don't think you will, but you can. 
and it gives you all of our watch along series, everything we do. Like I said, Coliseum videos. We right now we're doing a bunch of the best of the WWFs, all of the ninety five, ninety six pay per views and beyond that coincide with the Monday Night War. Um, we've done Saturday night's main events, Flair and Steamboat, the hour match from Clash of the Champions 6, and there's probably other things I'm forgetting as well, and we'll continue to do more and more. And Steve, man, that was a fun show. That was very, very fun. Yeah, I had a blast, man. I, I love Royal Rumbles. It's cool to talk to you uh, through a Royal Rumble. I feel like this is how it would be like when we're watching them live. So um, definitely entertaining. I enjoyed it, and uh, I can't wait for the next Rumble. I know we're going to. I know it's coming up at the end of the month here, but I can't wait to do that review. Uh, so I, I love the Rumble. I don't care. It could be 2050, and if I'm still here, God willing, I'll be looking forward to the Royal Rumble. I don't even care who's in it yeah, because they, uh, it's, it's, it's a great match. Yeah, they, I've always suspended my disbelief. I've always uh, become a kid the day of the Rumble, and certainly throughout the Rumble, I just I mark out like like a mark. To this day, well, maybe not to this day. They've really drained me, honestly. To be, to be completely frank, uh, the last couple of years, I've, I found myself this year still enjoying it, but not like I used to. So hopefully that you know changes around. There's a lot of new new talent in there, and really comes down to how they book it, and if they actually put some thought and and, and whatnot into it. I, hopefully they do, and I, I look. Hopefully it'll be a good time. But I don't know if I'm going to have as good of a time as I've had here with. Rumble 96, and I'm sure we're going to go back and do some other ones, some of the other retro rumbles as time goes on as well. I appreciate it, man. I really I really love taking a trip down memory lane, not just the Rumble match, but being able to do that free-for-all for the people that have, haven't seen it since it aired, people that may actually have it still on video and they went back and watched it with us or it, you know, or it brought back memories to others or people that may have never seen it ever. It's something new for you guys. Uh, just listen to a little bit of that audio and us kind of going over the show. So it was yeah. unique, different. It, like you said, it's our first Royal Rumble together. It's our first pre-show together. We put it all here for you guys for free here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. But uh, moving forward, if you guys want to hear any of our 96 pay-per-views, if you want to go back and listen to our 95 pay-per-views, you can always do so over, once again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. But Steve, man, I appreciate you being here. I know it's getting a little late at night, and uh, it's just been a fun one, man. Three and a half hours in the books. Absolutely. It's a weekend, man. It's all good. What's late <laughs> anymore? But uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, man, it's fun. Uh, I enjoy these shows. I, I lived them as a kid. So seeing them again, I always, it doesn't matter how old I am. They always have a, a soft spot in the heart because this is what I grew up with. So uh, I'm always happy to talk about them. Yeah. So, and I'd go, I'd go back, especially the rumble matches and I'd watch them years later. I'd still continue. Oh, I'm going to watch 96. I'm going to watch 90. I'm going to watch 92. So I couldn't tell you the last time I watched Rumble 96, but it's still been quite a long time since I watched anything. I just simply don't have the time. And then once I do sit down and I'm, oh, that's it, I'm watching this. I'm either falling asleep or I'm something <laughs> else comes up and I never get to finish it. So we're basically forced to now, and it's pretty enjoyable that I'm, I'm being forced yeah. to go back and actually enjoy some of the stuff that, you know, from my youth here. Yeah, same here. Like I kind of mentioned it to Marlena when it became part of her job, she didn't like doing the cigars anymore. So even though it's not necessarily a job, it's a you know a project of passion here that we're doing. It's nice to be forced to watch something and get get the full the full circle, so to speak, on the Grenade Show. So hopefully, you know, this carries over. That's the whole idea. It's a holiday, push everything, put every tie everything together over in our Recipe brand. So hopefully, uh, it accomplishes what we set out to do and. Um, 
I'm looking forward to 2021. It's a new year. There's going to be big things here in store for us at the rest of Copia. So I'm, I'm just want to thank everybody for listening and hopefully, hopefully enjoy the watch along, even though it's not 89, it's still a great show and it, it, it was fun. Absolutely. And we have more ideas, new ideas and new shows and other things in the works and uh, some more WCNNs coming up soon. Uh, unfortunately, more, more one day, more Monday warfare shows. Easy for me to say. I did put out the episode eight a little late. Sorry, guys. It was the holidays. It was done. I just needed to do the write up and the timestamps that everybody asked for. So, uh, but it is uh, up there and out. And uh, episode nine will be up. It should be up on time. So you guys just keep sticking around and checking those out because they coincide, like I said, moving into January 96 on the Monday Warfare show. Steve, uh, next week we'll be back to the NWA in 1989 as we knock out September of 1989, at least a couple weeks of September next week on the show. And uh, eventually it's going to be the Halloween Havoc watch along and then Clash New York knockout and Starcade. And then what's going to happen? Well, we're not going to tell you quite yet, but the NWA 89 will eventually come to an end and we have... Another year planned, another year of the NWA, WCW, the WWF. You guys stick around, and we'll be announcing that as we get closer to the end of NWA 89. I can't wait. I've, been, I've already watched the TV for all of September, man, for NWA. I can't wait to talk about it. Some head scratchers and everything else, <laughs> but uh, lots to talk about. I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, I've been scratching my head for fucking nine months right now of the NWA. So. <laughs> You're not wrong. I don't think it's going to stop until, you know, I know the Iron Man tournament's coming up, so I know I'm scratching my head through the end of the year. And (laughs) that's going to be what it's going to be when we get there and and beyond. Uh, I think we're going to take off now, Steve. We've we've kept the fans' attention long enough with the Royal Rumble and just our ideas for next week and things. So leave them hanging, and you guys check us out again next week. We're going to be back, like I said, with NWA September. 1989. We're going to talk all about all the things going on in the fall. Ric Flair, the new booker, and all that good stuff. Thank you once again. 